Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. I've fallen into a mum trap today. I've become that mother that I used to laugh at and that I have laughed at on this programme so many times. And now you're laughing at yourself. Yeah, now I am. Yeah, I stitch myself up like a kipper, right? So here's the deal. Um, Before I had kids, so my eldest is nearly 10, so it must have been about, I'd say about 12 years ago, um, there was a novel new um, invention called a Kindle that came out, right? Oh, yes. And my Kindle is so old, it doesn't have a backlight i had to buy a case for it and it's got this like kind of arm that comes out that's how old it is (laughs) an arm with a lamp on it so i can read it that's funny so we dug it out the other day actually because ian wanted to take it to america but then it turned out that it's so old i can't put anyone else on it it has to be like my account and my amazon account right so it was out it was charged up my kids have got hold of it yeah and they love to read and it's always something that i've I've um, encouraged them to do. And, you know, I was telling you earlier on that by the side of their bed, there's like this rickety pile of books. Yeah, these... you you were kind of bragging. Yeah, you were like, it. Yeah, like their bunk bed is the, it's only, the height of the bunk bed is only matched by that stack of books. Stack of books. And my daughter is, both daughters are obsessed with it. This is how a geeky my eldest daughter is. She was thrilled to find on her um, laptop the exact font that Jacqueline Wilson uses in her books. She was like, oh, I found the Jacqueline Wilson font. It's amazing. Oh, she's really going down the nerd path oh totally and i love it yeah except oh it's cost me quite a lot of money tonight because it turns out my kindle didn't have a pass a password on it well because it was only mine wait so it's cost you a lot of money well i started getting about uh let me see about half past eight i started getting notifications thank you for your purchase thank you for your purchase she's bought seven books about five pounds each seven books in quick succession yeah seven so she's a binge-aholic i mean she she loves those Jacqueline Wilson. She thought, oh, well, look what I found. Unlimited access to Jacqueline Wilson. How, how bad could this be? Let me just click on this seven, oh. seven times. So she didn't actually realize that she was spending mum's money, no, hard-earned she, money. Well, I rang up and the first thing I said to her was seven books. And she went, I didn't realize it was real money. Was she mortified? Yeah. Yeah. I just said to her, make sure you read them. Any porn in there? No, but there are a couple that had dubious titles and I've had to research them. One called Kiss and one called like Love Lessons or something. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my God, no. That's in my bedroom. To be honest, have you read Fifty Shades of Grey? I can't bring myself to do that. I I mean, I've only read about it. I'm one of those really judgmental types who oftentimes just dips a toe in what's happening in the world only by reading other people's accounts of it. Or even better, just someone having a hot take on Twitter. And then I make a decision based on that. Fifty Shades, I bought, I got a set of all three books and I've read one and a half. So I've read about 25 Shades of Grey. What? And I got so bored by it. Well, there, I thought he was an arsehole. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, sexy time is sexy time. But if they're going to talk about it in really tedious language yeah. and monotonous language, actually, a really good friend of mine who lives in Paris was charged with the... Uh, audacious task well i guess well-paid task of translating it into french and i think she was sneakily improving it as well because you know she's a proper writer and she probably thought here's my opportunity but um but yeah i'm no stranger to um some frisky some frisky wordplay i mean i i like to be titillated in the frontal lobe i know exactly what you mean my dad mistakenly i think mistakenly because i've studied french and so whenever a book would land that looked vaguely French in his office, because he, he worked in a newspaper, he would bring it home for me. And um, he brought home Anne Nin, 
Anais Nin? Yeah. Delta uh, Venus. Oh, Anais, isn't uh, it? Anais Nin. Yeah. yeah. Delta Venus. Oh, yeah. I've and read all those books. Yeah. That, pretty well, good. Well, she wrote, yeah, she wrote Porn to Order, didn't yeah. she? So, um, and those are very, uh, fecund and frisky. Lots of dirty moose action there. Lots of, uh, Jiggery pokery and slippery dipperiness. And heavy on the pokery. It was great. I loved it. That's yeah. one of the greatest books my dad ever brought home. And I, I think and he you would read be it? horrified if he knew what he brought home. And so you read that in the original French? No, it was in English, so even better. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I got into trouble as a youngster. I was telling you earlier that um, I had kind of a bad reputation when I was a child with the neighborhood mothers because apparently I was a bad influence on the kids um and one of the times is because i picked up some sort of totally trashy pot boiler at the local kmart or walmart or something and it, it oh i think it was something i think it was called something like let's uh let's scare the babysitter to death or something like that. Oh, goodness. And what could that be about? Yeah. And I thought, oh, I can relate to this. I think I probably would have been about 11 or something. And I thought, oh, babysitter, summer vacation, what's going on? And it turned out it was really grim. And it, it was pretty much about like, you know, one minute they're, the kids are mad at the babysitter because she said, you know, they couldn't do something and wanted to do. The next thing she's tied up, you know, in an uncomfortable position uh, in the closet and then the torture ensues and it's not a good ending but um i read it i eagerly devoured it and then i passed it on to my next door neighbor and then i got uh quite rightly hauled onto the carpet by my little friend's dad who just said what are you doing reading this repulsive trash and i really didn't have a good answer other than i did read it cover to cover and it probably accounts for why, to this day, I'm interested in cannibalism. <laughs> and you have a story. She's got a story about that, right? And we'll, and we'll tell you about that in a second. <laughs> but you just got me thinking about those books that got passed around the class. Oh, yes. Judy Bloom's Forever. Yeah, but those books are, they're wholesome. I mean, they're not deviants. It's just talking honestly yeah. about... But it was the first time we'd ever... I think I must have been about 12... And it was the first time I'd ever read anything like that. Well, I've read some Judy Bloom, but I don't know forever. Is that some some kids having sex for yeah, the first time? Yeah, it is. And okay. he names his penis Ralph. And so that became Ralph. a code. Ralph. I, I think it was Ralph, wasn't it? And it became a code word amongst the, the girls who knew. Right. And so that was under every kid's pillow, probably in my year at some point for about six months. It just got passed around. And did it give you ideas? Like, did it put pressure on you? Did it make you think, oh, I've got to be, ha- I got to get my own Ralph? No. How I do I line up God. my own Ralph? I was still at that stage where, you know, I'd, ba- I'd barely put the Barbies down at the age of 12. It was like, God, this is terrifying, but I'm very intrigued. Oh, you know what I used to do with my Barbies? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Barbies were, well, no, it was very elaborate because I did have an active imagination and I did fancy myself with a little bit of a writer. So around the age of, I don't know, seven or eight, um, Barbies, my Barbies were pressed into service as secret agents. Uh, but a lot of their secret agenting had to do with, uh, sex work, yeah. as our guest last night would have said. Um, so they had to be prostitutes to get information. They had to lure. Their well, James t- Bond pretty much is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, he's a total F boy. So these were F girls <laughs> and they, and they were definitely getting the information in the only, um, kibbles and bits way that they knew. But, um, yeah, and I kept diaries for them as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. So they had, it was always to do with, um, people, you know, they, they would, 
go in for some sort of romantic clinch with the bad guy, but then he had some kind of really bad disguise that was melting off his face because it would be made out of latex that was chemically unstable. Um, yeah, so there's always a flaw in the evil plan, isn't there? There's always a flaw in the evil plan. My Barbies were more um, dynasty in Dallas than than um, undercover agents. They were often found in the Barbie house with nothing on in bed, with the covers just the sheets just pulled up over their modesty. Right, that was what happened a lot. Full face of makeup, obviously. Full, well, yeah, you can take that off. My Barbies, what I would do is just dress them up really slutty. <laughs> so they would wear they and they had. I had inherited Barbies and Barbie outfits from my older sister, and so there were all these really great vintagey retro stewardess outfits and, <laughs> and ideal for yeah, the job in hand. Exactly. So they're like little nipped in waists and peplum, like just cute little. Um, just total I Love Lucy outfits. And yeah, they would only, I would only allow them to wear the tops and then they had to go commando from the waist down. <laughs> Completely opposite to Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Because she only ever has knickers on. Yeah, well, see, I don't know because I never read that well, stuff. Well, you've, you've dodged a bullet there. I think I really did. Well, I dodged a boredom. Oh my God, it was so boring. It was so boring. For two people who were actually very attractive, it was just zip. When it came to sort of sexual chemistry, nothing. But in the book, but also I went to see the film. We took Ian and I took an eighty-year-old man to go and see the film when we were working in Luton. Um, he really loved it. Did he like it? Oh God, he loved it so much. What did he like about it? The filth, I think. The filth. And there was a moment where was it really stilted though? Wasn't it just like? Yeah, it was. They looked like they were, both of them looked like they were having trouble walking, and not for the reason you would think. You're right. Not like the... I have to walk and act like someone who is walking oh. in a natural way. They just both looked extremely uncomfortable all the time and Jamie Dornan is beautiful but I just couldn't get over the weirdness of it there was there was less chemistry and my uh, the, the way I compare everything is the worst amount of chemistry was in Summersby with Jodie Foster and Richard Gere I just didn't believe that at all okay um, yeah so you're using that as your baseline yeah and I think they were worse than those two just didn't believe they fancied each other at all. What do you think sucked the sexual jizz out of this whole interaction? Was it the fact that the story was so the fact that puerile? He's, yeah, that he's he's an he's an idiot. She's even more of an idiot, and I don't care what happens to them. And I pretty yeah. much established that from the get go. Yes, and there was just no there was no reason why she would acquiesce to his demands because there was just no sizzle you know yeah and also there's no she's not getting anything out of it no, necessarily that no, was poo and i think it's interesting that the woman who wrote it then insisted on complete control and needed to you know get her her husband in to write the next one and oh god yeah no i mean i think that's just passing the book really but when we went to the film our 80 year old friend really enjoyed the bit where you have the big reveal of the he has this toy room because he's this multimillionaire and he's yeah. able to indulge his wildest fantasies and he's got this dungeon sex dungeon the red room and the, this kind of the whole film is building up to this revelation this is what i'm into you know yeah. deal with it and the doors <laughs> open to this red room and the cinema is deathly quiet there's us and a load of like middle-aged housewives who were really enjoying it and I, I can say that as a middle-aged housewife I was looking around thinking yes these are my people and yet not at the same time yeah and so the doors swing open to this red room ah, long shot of this like filth you've got like winches and I don't know big big, big magnets and you know all these different huh. all this different sex equipment and then there's this magnets. voice at the end of, I was joking yeah there was this <laughs> voice at the end of our line going mm, looks like my garage 
<laughs> and then the woman in front of us went, I've paid for this, dear God, you're ruining it. Oh, no, I was just about to get off. And now you're talking yeah. about your garage. Yeah. That is so funny. How... Okay, I am not getting any action, as we've discussed, as I keep monotonously alluding to over and over again. I am not getting any action. And yet, even I, in my involuntary celibate, my incel state, would not be sizzled by this thing that you're describing. I mean, I'm not interested in... Uh, what is it? He's like being domineering and yeah. but tedious, and she's not getting anything out of it. She well, they, apparently she was. Apparently she loved it, but you know, tell the face because you couldn't tell from yeah. the performances. But I like how we're discussing something that was hot news like four years ago. I know, but you know, it's, it, it, the penny is still dropping for me. Like we we kicked off the show talking about uh, the original Kindle that had some like an extra. You had to shine a flashlight on it for it to work. <laughs> And now we're talking about the latest hot thing that we've heard about, which is Fifty Shades of Grey. It's vintage news. It's vintage news. It's archive. It's, you know, the world is moving so fast, Catherine, that I think we do need to stop. Yeah, this show has become a time capsule. Yes. So, you know, deal with it. Uh, 03444991000. Alan Caddick, of course, is bang okay. up today. Hi, Hi. Hi. What happened with the monkeys concert? Well... We've only had it, you know, from from the very sad horse's mouth in in New York. But sad horse, poor horsey. But he woke up yesterday and was told that um, the rest of the con- the rest of the tour, of which he was supposed to be attending a concert tomorrow, I think, is off because one of them's ill. So do you know which one's off? No. Yeah, because Sam put the bad news to me. Oh, how are you dealing with it? How are you bearing up? I feel sorry for the governor. Yeah. So he's not going to be in a good mood when he's back on Tuesday. Oh, oh he'll be all right. He'll be all right. He'll 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 have had a couple of days off, a few good nights sleep. Yeah, and he'll probably have a moan on Tuesday night about it, won't he? The thing about this job is, whatever happens to you, it's all material, right? So when embarrassing things happen, embarrassing things happen to me, I think, good, at least I'll get something out of it. Yeah. And so for Ian, he's going to run on this for weeks, and you know he is, so prepare He's going to milk it, yeah. Of course he is. Yeah, at least I won't be able to fall asleep about it like I used to. Listen, you fell asleep last week, so don't start getting jammy about it. In fact, this week, wasn't it Monday you fell asleep? No, Tuesday. Tuesday. You're an outrage, Alan Caddick. Why do you, why do you keep falling asleep? Are you, um, I don't know. No, because he keeps me on hold for too long. Oh, I see. And by the time he gets to me around half ten, quarter eleven, I'm usually out with a count. Oh, dear. Could you not set an alarm or something to go off every five minutes just to make sure that you're, um, you're ready? Or maybe watch when Harry met Harry, because Katie doesn't know about that scene. No, thank goodness. She doesn't need to know about that. That's something that we don't discuss anymore. Am I supposed to pretend that I don't know about that scene? Well, you don't. You haven't heard Alan Caddick reenacting it. Okay, and you don't need to. I don't need to. It's something you can never get out of your ears. It's on YouTube. Well, okay. Well, she she won't be looking at that Alan Caddick because she likes to sleep at night. Put it this way, it would be very off-putting if you did look at it. Be very what? Off-putting. Yeah. Yeah. Forewarned is forearmed, and not foreplay. (laughs) (laughs) Not in my case. 
Okay, so what did you actually ring for, Alan Caddick, apart from to oh, sow some very, very dodgy oh, seeds? I mean, it's really seeing Katie here on a Friday night because I feel like I've stepped into the word. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. The word used to be on Friday in uh, 11.05, so it's a little bit early. Why was it five past? Because it was enough time for people to get home smashed from the pub. Oh. And settle in front of the television set and just be putty in our hands. Cunning. I mean, I used to stay up late, especially just to watch the word, and I'm talking like 14, 15 years old. Wow. That's a, that's pretty risque viewing for a young'un. Yeah, because after a long week at school, for me, it would start the weekend, well, blah, and TFI Friday. Yeah, mm-hmm. kick back. Yeah, because... When Chris Evans was in town, I'll be watching the words. When the words finish, I'll be watching TFI. Mm. Well, it sounds like you had your priorities bang right. Especially for me, it would be a perfect way to start the weekend. And how do you start the weekend now, Alan Caddick, now that neither of those illustrious programmes are on air anymore? By listening to talk radio. Yeah. Boom. Right on. Thanks, Alan Caddick. 0344 499 1000. If, like him, you know where it's at. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you on talk radio. Uh oh, we have a critique. Okay. Text. I don't. Oh, it's a tweet. It's a tweet. I don't like to be negative. Uh oh. There's no one who doesn't like being negative. He loves it. But. By the way, but. But. Means that everything that goes before the but is bullshine. Yeah, totally. So. Flipping Kath, why is it okay for you to spoil Fifty Shades, but it's not okay for a listener to spoil a film? Okay, well, the answer is Fifty Shades itself spoils Fifty Shades. And also, everyone knows what happens in it, don't they? That's the whole reason they go to watch it. Well, the other thing is, it's a really old movie. It's like spoiling... The Shining. Yeah, well, I was going to say... I was going to say The Wizard of Oz, but both of those are classics and Fifty Shades isn't. How do we compare it? What, what, What was the other... What was a big turkey... Uh, um, I can't think of anything worse than that. I film. really can't uh, think of anything that anything it, limper than something that's supposed to get your gander up. Yeah, no, there's no urge to surge. Anyway, James, fair point, but I think you'll find you, you've been very silly there. But we don't know. I mean, we didn't talk about what happens in the end. I mean, I was just sort of feeling embarrassed for us that we were dwelling on something that was such old news well i'm embarrassed that i read a whole the whole first book and about 20 pages of the second before i realized i have a life to live what the hell am i doing well you were probably it was probably a little bit of that fomo because there's an element of if there's so many people interested in this i can't remain in blissful ignorance but it turned out that you should have yeah i should have i should have i probably would have imagined something sexier than what i read in that flipping book hello jack hello hello how are you good all right talk to me what did you want to ring about uh well it's good to not hear ian for a while it's good is it yes well he'll be heartbroken to hear such things from you he thought you were one of his greatest fans well, I mean, make it worth my while, Jack, because, as you know, we're supposed to be besties. I'm supposed to share everything with that man. Well, not everything. Oh, yeah. Well, not everything. All right, well, listen, I won't tell him, because, to be honest, he's had too much disappointment in the last 24 hours. I think you might tip him over the edge. Oh. I mean, losing you. As a fan. 
Anyway, what have you been up to today? Oh, well, um, I just got... I just got told that I'm going to be taking National 5 Chemistry, National 5 History, and National 5 English. Oh. My life is going great. Your life is complete? Yes. You feeling all right about it? Yes. You're a bright lad, you can do this stuff, right? Yep. Good. Good. Yeah. Show them what you got, Jack. Hmm? Yep. Anyway, it's fun talking to you. I think we might be done. Yeah. Well, you take care of yourself. Yeah. Bye. National Five, that's what they do in Scotland, isn't it? Okay, I don't know. You're looking at me like I know something about this. I was this. also desperately trying to think, have we been too filthy while we had a kid on the phone? I'd, it, it occurred to me that possibly. It's only going to get worse, too. Yeah. Because that's all I have to talk about is it, exactly. borderline so, inappropriateness. So, I mean, if you are listening, you're you're a bad child. And if you're letting your ch- child listen, you're a bad parent. And well, we can't be responsible for what might happen between now and then. But we can assure you that it will be filthy. This is a cesspit. It really is. And we, we've made it that, that way on purpose, to be honest. Do you want some sausage news? Yeah, bring it. People have bought um, sausage water. Sausage water? Right. Is that what they're calling it? I thought it was just like baby batter. I, <laughs> no, not that. I, I thought that's what the term, the cute term was, the euphemism. Now they're calling it sausage water. $38 for hot dog water at a festival. Right? Oh, I'd pay that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me just see how much change I have on me. Vancouver's annual car-free day festival attack, uh, attracts thousands of people to the Canadian city's main street. However, this year visitors were treated to an unusual new product among the other food and drink stalls. Oh. Unfiltered hot dog water. Unfiltered hot dog water. We've created a recipe. How do they speak in Canada? We've created a recipe, eh? Having a lot of people put a lot of effort into research and a lot of people with backgrounds in science really creating the best version of hot dog water that we could. Self-styled hot dog water CEO Douglas Bevins told Global News. The drink, which comes in a sleek glass bottle filled with water and a single hot dog, is keto compatible and will help the drinker Lose weight, increase brain function, look younger and increase vitality, the sign at the hot dog water booth claims. I love it. Well, you know, hats off to them because there is just so much preposterous monkey shines going on and snake oil salesmen. And I mean, I've seen those at, at my yoga studio. They actually sell charcoal. Oh, yeah. In, in a in a bottle of water. Isn't that what they give you when they want to flush your stomach out? Is that what happened? Yeah, is, they... it a, is it a laxative? Or is... I think it makes you vom, doesn't it? Well, it makes me vom to look at it. I mean, I'm definitely going to blow chow if I have to deal with this <laughs> wiener water. Who wants to deal with that? So whatever next? I mean, it's just like anything that you've been, uh, I don't know, like you've been defrosting frozen fish and then you're going to sell Drinking that? Fish water. I mean, I mean surely... He's saying that he helps you lose weight and all this stuff, but no, he's if just... you're eating the wiener, then then surely that's going to be high in fat, isn't no, it? No, you're not eating the wiener, you're just eating Drinking the water. Drinking the salty water. The salty water. Man alive, God. The sign also explains the drink is rich in sodium. Yeah, it'd be salty. And yeah. triggers anti-inflammatory processes. There's a fair bit of science that's too sciencey for me, Bevan told the Global News. <laughs> nice. Nice get out. I like... No, he's... He's clever. He's funny. Because, look, we're, we're biting on his wiener with this one. $38, though. So the oh. protein of the hot dog water helps your body uptake the water content and the sodium and all the things you need post-workout. 
I mean, post-workout, what more do you want than salty hot dog water? I love it. They've been drinking it for hours, eh, he said. We've gone through about 60 litres, which is 16 gallons of real hot dog water. The booth also sold hot dog water lip balm, breath spray and body fragrance. Hey, this is right up your alley. It really is. Uh, Global News reported. But the protein-rich beverage did come with a catch, which was stated at the bottom of the sign in fine print. The hot dog water, in its absurdity, hopes to encourage critical thinking related to product market. Oh, man, they See? had us. Yeah, no, they had you. Uh, Where did you read this? Online. Yeah. <laughs> NYPost.com. So I have something even more delicious, which is... How could it be? A story about a guy who served his friends tacos made from his own amputated leg. So this is cannibalism, but it's not strictly illegal because, A, it's his own body part, which is no longer functioning, and the hospital was going to just chuck it out anyway. And so he asked for it. They gave it to him. And uh, B, the people he served it to, his 10 friends, all agreed that they would love to sample so if you want to feed a body part to a friend, just get their permission and then you can go for broke. Yeah, there's photographs here as well. Oh, it does. Man. It looks uh, he says it tastes like venison. And I can tell you that his chef friend who marinated it and uh, cooked it up, broiled it, grilled it in, in the lexicon that you use here. Um, they said that it actually tasted like venison and uh, it had quite a gamey flavor to it. But uh, the reason why he was in this predicament to begin with was he was riding his motorcycle and he got smashed by a car and chucked yeah. in the air. And he was actually lucky to not lose his life and uh, just got a little scratch in the back of his head. But the other uh uh-uh moment was the fact that his foot was hanging off of the Whoa, end of his shin. Gosh. And he was lucky because there was a high school student who was happened by and had just learned first aid and so she was able to apply a tourniquet on his leg so he didn't bleed to death and then the paramedics came quickly uh got him to the hospital discovered they couldn't save the foot and then he just decided let's turn lemons into lemonade or perhaps a leg into a fajita and uh uh, he got he got uh, an ex-girlfriend, a couple of good friends, uh, a friend of a friend who was a chef, who was the one who took over the seasoning duties. And um, they had quite a little festive get together, but not before, not before they played catch with the foot. So before they marinated the foot, they did sort of throw it around the room. Playing with your food, which is what your mom always told you you mustn't do. Exactly. But I suppose it tenderized it. Is it weird that in the course of that conversation and that story that you told me, I I began to think, well, you might as well have a go. The the thing that surprised me about it is that why are they eating? The the fact that there's even meat on the foot anyway. Here's here's a picture of some meat. And that came that came from the man. It's pretty good. Yeah, it does look good. It looks pretty good. I mean, it's like it's a medium rare. It's cooked medium rare. So it's pink on the inside. Not animals. Yeah, they're not they're not animals, um, but it uh, he did feel like it was sort of a uh, I don't know if you could call it a um, a, clo- a a ritual of closure, but in fact it was. He says his life has only gotten better since then. He's uh, he moved from where he was living. He broke up with the girlfriend that he'd had. He quit his job he hated, and now he's in a much better place in his life, minus a foot. He's not attributing that to the foot, though, is he? Because that could start a dangerous precedent. Well, he's attributing it to the fact that he owned 
his tragedy. So he sort of, uh, you know, ate his feelings, if you will, and his foot. Um, Yeah. So he kind of he didn't let it best him. Gosh. Here's a here's a shot of uh, the chef grilling it up on a little saute pan with some sliced peppers. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you can McNuggify anything, so yeah. you can turn it into. It doesn't a, look like a foot anymore. No, it's a McNugget. So he, yeah, he goes into the 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 flavor of it. He says uh, people often think that human flesh tastes like pork uh, because in the movies we hear it called long pig. Yeah, but that term originated in places like Papua New Guinea, where they eat wild boar, and that's not like big fat domesticated pigs. It's it's just more lean. There's no white meat there. And uh, he says it's akin to eating venison. He says the particular cut they ate was super beefy. It had a very pronounced beefy flavor to it. The muscle I cut, oh, because he also cut a muscle from his uh, his calf. That was tough and chewy. It tasted good, but the experience wasn't the best. Um, but he did say that uh, one friend had to spit me into a napkin. <laughs> God, that's a sentence you don't want to say too often. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, it depends who the friend is. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you want to give us a ring, Haley will take your call and she will ring you back straight away. You can tweet us, talk radio, or uh, at Kath, uh, at um, Flipping Kath, or at Katie Pockrick, or all three. Uh, or indeed, you can text us. You text talk and your message to eight seven two two two. It'll cost you twenty five p per message on top of your standard network rate. And without further ado, let's speak to someone who's uh, decided to get involved. Yes. Hugh in Cardiff. Hey, Hugh. Hello, hello. That was quick. Yeah, well, we don't mess about. We saw it was you. (laughs) What did you want to say, Hugh? I want to talk about Jordan Peterson. Oh, Oh, right, right. You've come to the right place. Yes. I um, discovered him yesterday and managed about 10 minutes before I had to switch uh, the video off because I found him so infuriating. And Katie, you've had too much experience of him too, haven't you? Well, the thing is, I just find him fascinating... I find the phenomenon of interest in Jordan Peterson very fascinating, and I'm interested in the psychology of his followers. So I'm really happy that you're giving us the opportunity to talk about him. And why is it that you wanted to bring him up, Hugh? Well, because um, I've been a a Katie Patrick fan since uh, the days of the word. Oh, thanks. And But I'm also a Jordan Peterson fan. Uh And I heard you saying something sniffy about Jordan Peterson must be on Six Music, I think, some a uh, couple of months ago, maybe. I'm not sure. I I think I may have brought him up recently on Radio Four, talking about. I, I was on um, Saturday Review, and I may have brought. That was it. That was it. That was yeah, it. yeah, because it, it was to do with talking about uh, the film Breadwinner and talking about how. Uh, anyway, yeah, never mind about that. But yes, so you are um, you're a true believer. You're a Jordan Peterson fan. Yes, definitely. And um, I'm glad to talk to you because I'm interested. This is exactly like I think. See, I sort of think this is uh, slightly um, facetious of me to say this, but I sort of see him as an Oprah for incels. But I appreciate that um, other people who are not necessarily young uh, failure to launch still living in their mother's basement unformed young men find him interesting and so what is it that captivates you about his philosophy um well um basically what he, what he says is like sort yourself out clean your room this is um, 
helpful to many people. It's certainly been helpful for, for, to me. Yes. In the, you know, in the past couple of months, um, you know, because I think, hey, Jordan Peterson is right, so I have to prove him right by. Uh, by making my life better. Because just to, in a nutshell, for people who don't know what Jordan Peterson espouses, he's a, a, a psychologist. He's a, a lecturer at a university in Canada, or at least he was before his uh, his lecture career and his his book writing career took off. And uh, but he's very much kind of like in the self help mode of you know don't be a victim, stand up on your own two feet, take responsibility for yourself. But what's interesting is that he seems to speak primarily to young men who are disenfranchised. So he's actually given a lot of hope to guys, young men who feel lost in perhaps a transitional time where um, it's not assumed that if you're white and a man, you're definitely going to be at the top of the totem pole. But equally, um, like you say, he does actually give very good common sense advice, which is, you know, if you're having a, a tough time in life, it's up to you to sort it out. Is that what you're getting out of it? Yes, yes, yes. And the thing is, he is no, in no way a right winger. Um, <clears throat> he's pretty conservative. He's a, no, he's, he's a centrist. He's, 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 he is somewhat conservative in the, in the he is interested in tradition and stuff like that. He is very interested in tradition. How do you square that comment that he's not right winger with the fact that his following is largely right wing and we're talking alt right alt right no 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 that that's not true that's not true okay that's that's propaganda no it's okay. it's the comments if you go under his talks and you look at the video clips that are posted of him all the comments are from people from young men who are espousing those sorts of views or they're talking i don't think so I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to find see, a video right you now. You see, that that you just done there, that's not true, that's propaganda, is exactly the problem I have with him, because he won't engage ah, but, to but, a certain point. But but you have to go back to the source. You have to go back to the primary um, material. Yeah, evidence. You, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could <coughs> say, I mean, say we were watching a, a lecture, you know, then we could say... Yeah, then we could discuss it um, in particular. Well, you could discuss it in particular, but it, we can equally and knowledgeably discuss it in general because yeah, we've yeah, all yeah. seen, we've read the, I've read the book, and I've you know seen enough clips. I've seen more clips of him than I've seen of Oprah's, and I can definitely talk about someone like Oprah, who's also kind of a, you know, pablum, you know, feel. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but I think. I mean, remember, he's a clinical psychologist. He's not. He's not just some guy. That doesn't make him God, does it? No, but it makes him. It makes him a. It makes him a professional. Well, there know. are plenty of professionals who are wrong. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. But as he says, you know, he's he's um, spoken to people as, as strange as you can imagine, and uh, and some are more strange than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So have I. Does that mean I should hold sway in your life? <laughs> well, you know, it's not your. Well, it is your job actually, but. Uh, so. But. Mm-hmm. So that means I'm right all the time? Well, <laughs> I'm sure you're right a lot of the time. I'm, ju- I'm just saying that, that Jordan Peterson, although you, you're right in to, say, to say that professionals are not always right, he does have credentials. You know, he did, he did teach at Harvard. He is a professor of psychology. He was a clinical psychologist. Does he you know, he does have ex- experience. Yeah. It's good enough for you, Hugh. That's fine. 
Pardon? If that's good enough for you, Hugh, that's fine. And if it's helped you, you know, some of yeah, these people... that's the great I, thing. I've read plenty of stuff people I don't agree with. Jermaine Greer at the moment, I, I think she's gone kind of off, off off the sphere of what I can get on board with. But through her career and some of the stuff I've read of hers, I've, I've gained quite a lot. So and, it's kind of take what's helpful and leave the rest, isn't it? Yes, certainly. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I have friends who totally defend Jermaine Greer and they think that she's right on the money. So I guess it's just through the the ears of the beholder. Mm -hmm. um, Same with Jordan Peterson. So, you know, you're a good guy and, you know, you're not necessarily going to be somebody who wants to run over uh, strange women in the street with your car. But then there's other people who are actively misogynist and they're right wing and they are filled with hate and they use Jordan Peterson's arguments and point of view to justify their own. So that's the part that I gets a little think, dicey. I don't think so. I think, <clears throat> I mean, he, he says, and I think it's probably true that uh, through listening to him, many people who were attracted by the right have become more moderate. Well, he would I say mean, that, wouldn't he? Well, well, I think it's true. Okay. Well, you think it's true. Um, Where's your evidence? Oh, well, ev- evidence from evidence. Yeah, I mean, it, the um, it, the thing is, is uh, he's he's sort of this flavor of the month, um, you know, pot fortune cookie wisdom. And uh, it, it's one of those things that it, it, it needs to be palatable, you know, for, for you to, to for one to be able to take advantage of, of the wisdom. It has to come in a form that that you agree with. And I know that there's something about. His, Jordan Peterson has this very um, kind of debate club way about him where it's very based on semantics and rhetoric. And I think that's attractive to people. I know I, I've got two older brothers and they think he's fantastic because they think, oh, he wins arguments. Therefore, he's really cool. And I'm and I'm thinking, well, anyone can win an argument. I mean, that's just like a tactical um, you, you know, it's wordplay. Yeah, it's basically. like a chess game. Right. It's like a yeah, chess but, game, but, but it I doesn't do, mean you're right, and it, and also it doesn't account for emotional intelligence. It, but, but that I mean, there's different there's different angles to this, right? But <clears throat> you see, that, yeah, this is what Jordan Peterson says about sort of playing games like like an argument. He mm. talks about arguing. He talks about arguing with your wife, say. But he <clears throat> he talks about sort of play, if, when you play a game. You're not just playing a game. You're, you're playing a game in a series of games. So you've you've got to play like it's like it's not how you play. It's not whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. Because um, anyway, anyway. Um, What's um, the aim, though? What's the aim of the game? Well, to live a good life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good aim. Well, I define good. Well, Jordan Peterson says. With um, a, a life lived with responsibility is a good life. Okay. Yeah. Do you mean like responsibility for yourself and other people? Exactly. Okay. Can't argue with that. No. <clears throat> Seems reasonable. Anyway, anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I am pleased that um, that Katie is not um, um, completely down on Jordan Peterson because I, that I can, I can. Uh, I can continue to be a fan of both. Gosh, would you? Oh, would it, you fall out with Casey? Yeah, it'd no, be a no, zero. No. It's a zero sum. It's me or Jordan Peterson. No, well, it's, well, it's not. Yeah, well, well, not really. Not really, because I, no, I had I had always admired Casey Patrick. Oh. You know, from um, from the word and through the 
There is much to admire, Hugh. <clears throat> well, yeah, she's um, funny and smart. Oh, thank you. Jeez. Well, I um, yeah, I think Jordan Peterson's an interesting character, and um, I'm, but I'm actually more interested in in the phenomenon around him. So I, I uh, it's uh, it's definitely, I think it's probably symptomatic of the time we're living in, and there's uh, quite a lot of change and transition, and a lot of extremes going on with governments all over the world, on both on the right and the left. So I think he's a product of that, and that's why he's uh, significant culturally right now. Yeah, yeah. He's a radical centrist. That's why he gets um, attacked really from both sides. He is—he's um, a centrist. I think he yeah. kind of—I think he kind of enjoys defending his position, though. Like Certainly you say, it's part of the game, he isn't does. it? Yeah, he's definitely like—he's into his game yeah. for sure. Yeah, he's—he's—he's yeah. he's, he's somebody who likes to be contrary. He, he, a bit. He likes to be provocative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sells I mean, books. Mm-hmm. It yeah. sells—it sells books and keeps them on the front page. Oh well, yeah, but I, I don't think I don't think it's that it's that cynical. But, oh, uh, I do. Oh really? You think okay. a lot of him? Yeah, I I think he's definitely he's got his eye on the prize, and why not? I mean, you know, it's his moment in the sun. He's got to make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, if it's working for you, Hugh, thanks very much for giving us a ring. We're gonna have to move on, but um, okay, okay. enjoyed talking to you about it. And I'm going to yeah. investigate him a bit further because, like I say, he turned me off a little with his manner. But maybe I need to push through that. Okay, well, it's been good talking to you. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Thanks you very too. much. Yeah. Take care. If you want Bye. to give us a ring, 0344 499 1000. You're listening to Talk Radio. I'm Catherine Boyle, and that is... Katie Parkrick. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. As you might have guessed, I don't know an awful lot about Jordan Peterson, and that would immediately rule me out of having any opinion according to a lot of his acolytes. Yeah, 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 because they're very, they're very big on, um, like, oh, well, you know, it's not enough to have just read the book. He's got this big best-selling book or out. Or to get a gist. Yeah. You have to, like, take exactly what he's saying. He Because that's his whole thing is he goes, he wangs on about, you know, words are really important. I'm very exact with my words. And mm-hmm. yet, oh, you know, it's very high school debate team leader. It's it's not really just about, it's about winning the argument and slamming down the other person rather than um, accounting for nuances. And he deals in absolutes. It's either right or it's wrong, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but absolutes are so comforting now because the world is crazy yeah. and when people are feeling... You know, there's vulnerable people who are attracted to all these self-help guys. And yeah, you want someone who knows what the score is. Yeah, and tells you exactly what the score is. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and of course, you know, it's very benign to say, uh, you know, take responsibility for your life. There's nothing wrong with that. But then it is weird. It is a little unsettling when you think, well, then why are these sort of slightly unsavory people, not our callers, of course, but uh, some of people the... People flocking to a banner that some people say isn't there. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's in it for them? Yeah, because, you know, he's got this other little slant that, um, you know, the the young young men of today are underserved, uh, which is a new one on me in our society. And uh, so he's giving them the time of day and he's... Saying, yeah, do you know what? The world isn't fair and it's about time we took some power back. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, he's suggesting that maybe, as our guest last night, Caitlin, would have said from the the old pros uh, podcast that maybe women are a little bit too uppity. And uh, I certainly am. And I love it. Yeah. Let's speak to Dom. Hiya, Dom. Good evening. Hey. Hey. What you got? You I'm all right. Yeah, well, I've no opinions on Jordan Peterson, really, but I was just... Um, Ringing about something that I was wondering about, yeah. like dad theories, right? Because my, I had this. We had me and my dad had this long-running game where we'd go to supermarkets and you get to the checkout, you put the items on the the 
conveyor belt and then the game was to guess how much you think the total would be and invariably my dad would win and then eventually realized he revealed his theory to me which was on average a grocery shop excluding booze will come to on average one pound per item and then i tested it on my last shop and i think i had 35 items, which came to £34.85. No kidding! Ooh, I'm testing that one out next time I shop. And that's what I think. I don't know if it's just a one-off and a coincidence, or whether, like, dad theories are a thing. Like, every dad gets their own theory. I, You know, are you, are you sure that you guys just weren't shopping at the pound shop? <laughs> well, then how would it have ended up with 85p? Exactly, Katie. Think, think. I was not thinking about that. So um, I was just going to suggest that perhaps your dad was a maths whiz and that he was just quickly totting up everything, but he he wasn't even looking at the price tag. He was just... Yeah, because I I was trying to estimate more accurately by putting up what I thought the prices were. Right, right. But he'd always get there better just doing one pound per item, excluding booze, because that obviously throws your average out. Yeah, yeah. But then you can kind of throw in, what, like an extra two quid or something for the booze, right? Yeah, or whatever it is. But then you yeah, add that on separately. Yeah, yeah. So, Dad, so what are we calling this phenomenon? It's Dad, dad Theory. Dad Theory. Dad Theories. Yeah, I don't know if like, there are other Dad Theories out there. Yeah, that's a good like, topic, Dad Theories. Do you have any like mom? If anyone's, got, if anyone's got any receipts and they can check items versus total cost. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm playing that next time. I mean, I needed something to brighten up a dull shop. What about your your daughter um, buying all those books? <laughs> seven books. I wish it was only seven pounds. I think they're about four pounds each. Right. Flipping heck. She's costing you a lot of money now. She is, but as long as she expands her mind, it'll be worth it. Yeah. And uh, I, I ain't paying for her education, so <laughs> maybe she's just taking a little bit of the power back. Right. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Dom. Nice. You, um, you've done me a favour there. I'm going to play that game. It's going to be brilliant. Uh, 0344-499-1000. Uh, what's wrong with these two lady presenters? Who's what's wrong that? with being right of centre, says Andrew. What's wrong with being... Okay. I, I guess there's not. What's wrong with these two lady presenters? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm a woman. <laughs> uh, what's wrong with being right of centre? Nothing. I don't think we ever suggested... Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't mention that. He, we he... suggested that he might be. No, right of center. no, no. The caller said that he was right of center. Mm-hmm. Oh, he said he was a centrist, and we suggested that a lot of his followers were right of center. We actually suggested they were alt-right. alt-right. And there's plenty of wrong with being alt-right, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but of yeah. course, you're allowed to disagree. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand, or you can text us eight seven two two two. Put talk at the beginning of your message, uh, or you can uh, tweet us uh, at flipping calf at Katie Pockrick at Talk Radio. A combination of all three. Uh, let's have a quick chat with Graham. Hi, Graham. Graham. Hello, Katie. Hello, Hi. Hey. Your, your callers tonight are terrifying me. They're terrifying me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the reason I called, nothing to do with anything you've talked about. Thank no God. alt-right. No Jordan... What was his name? Oh, forget about it. <laughs> We've put him behind us now. Yeah. I find that bizarre. It's people looking for people to explain to them what's wrong in their life. Mm-hmm. And be able to blame someone else. Oh, it's very attractive, uh, though, isn't it? If you feel it, like you're out of control. Yeah, Graham, that's yeah. exactly... The blame game is, is a big part. It's grievance culture, and we're in... Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a seeker. 
because, you know, we all feel a little lost and we all feel like yeah. we need a little, you know, support and backbone from time to time. But absolutely. but then, you know, some... there's something very attractive about a figure who is absolutely sure that they know what the situation yeah. is. Yeah. And that there's rules yeah. like suddenly like this is a crazy blobby, amorphous, amoeba like world that we live in. So it's great to suddenly have someone to say, oh, there's rules and there's a right and a wrong. I just get yeah. a bit concerned when it's someone who demands absolute compliance. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. We've seen that happen before in the past, and I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand why people can't see. You know, it's all very well being charismatic and having the answers, but mm. yeah, Hitler thought he had those. I don't think he had the right answer. Mm. Mm. Anyway, that's not what I called about. Okay, come on, Graham. What so, did you ring about? I was going to, I was going to call you on Tuesday, but then my plans had to change, and I'll explain why. So, mm-hmm. my first question to you both is. Where is your happy place? Oh, oh. For example, for example, I was on holiday this week. My happy place, really sad, is in the Lake District. It's a place where whenever I go there, my worries just float away and it's so unbelievably relaxing. Where would you say your happy place is? Easy. Easy. Mine's on the back of my scooter. It's an old banger and it takes me a while to rev it up every time I start it. Um, but I feel 15 again when I sit on that scooter and um, it's a ridiculous purchase. It was probably quite something quite frivolous. It's definitely dangerous, but I absolutely bloody love it. Okay, so my happy place, this is a little insalubrious, and I just confessed this to Catherine tonight, but I've started a nudist colony of one, and it all happens on my balcony, um, which I've just discovered is this, is a beautiful sun trap. So um, it's completely private. Nobody overlooks my building, and nobody can see from their balcony. And on a lovely sunny day, I can just get all the vitamin D I need in every little nook and cranny. And so that's my happy place. Oh, that's amazing. See, both of those are all about freedom and yes. speak. And you? Yes. Is that what it is, do you think? Is it the... I yeah, think so. I think it's about taking yourself out of the sort of responsibility side of life, isn't it? I, I would say it's to, uh, going into oblivion, yeah. in a way, losing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So on the downside of that, on my holiday... Uh, day before yesterday, I fell down the stairs and I broke my ankle. Oh, no! man, that is so, so painful. So, when has been your biggest holiday disaster? All right, we're going to have to hold that thought because we're coming up to the news, <laughs> but it allows me time I'll to think because I've yeah. had so many, so many holiday disasters. <laughs> Can you hang on till after the other side? Uh, to the other side? Absolutely. I'll get okay. you to straddle. Oh, I'd love to straddle. Thanks very much, Graham. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. if you want to come after straddling Graham. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech Radio with a difference. Talk Radio. Graham's been straddling all this time. Let's, uh, let's get to him before he seizes up completely. <laughs> I'm telling you, with these, with these crutches, the straddling is not doing my leg any good. Uh, how, are you, how are you getting on with the crutches? <laughs> oh, don't even, really? don't even ask. Oh. I'm having to go and stay with my parents for a few days. That is how bad it actually is. Oh, you're reduced to that. <laughs> Going back home. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so where were you when you did you did yourself a mischief? So, so I was in my happy place. I was in the Lake District and I was going down the stairs out of the flat that we were renting and my leg went from under me and I went down on the side of my ankle and oh. heard my ankle go... Oh, oh the, sound, the sound is the worst thing, almost. <laughs> it was horrible. Oh, gosh. But yeah. So, yeah, the question I was asking you then, off the back of where's your happy place, 
what kind of what are your worst holiday disasters? I don't know. I can only think of like worst holidays. Which I don't. I've never That'll broken do. anything. I've fallen over a lot. Usually, I'm under the influence, but I, 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 <laughs> I find it very difficult to stay on my feet when I'm not drunk. To be honest, I'm always falling over, <laughs> um, and I'm covered in the old lady bruises to prove it. Um, but I, I remember one holiday where I thought, really, this is no, this is no way to carry on. Was when I was about seventeen, and against my better judgment, I went on holiday with my parents just one last time, and we went to Gran Canaria. Bloody hell, what a place. It was awful <laughs> because I was still like, I was still with my parents. And obviously when you're with your mum and dad, you have to, in order to survive, you have to just give up and be the kid just for a little bit longer. Uh, but it was one of those places where it was like, it was like Magaluf, you know, we were kind of surrounded by people, you know, girls snogging each other for a bottle of vodka and stuff. And there's me sitting there with my parents. It was just, it was just horrific. Oh, it just sounds like a bad casting decision. Oh, man, it was awful. <laughs> and, you know, and at that point I'd started, I'd been learning Spanish so I could hear exactly what the locals were saying about the Brits and, you know, oh, oh. it was just blah. And I realised I was a crashing snob. And, uh, <laughs> and it was just, it was just a generally uncomfortable holiday. It sounds like you learned a lot about yourself. It was a, a journey of self-discovery. Yeah, the discovery was no more of this. I'm done. <laughs> What about you, Casey? So I think that probably the worst thing that ever happened on a vacation for me was I was in Greece, happily swimming away uh, in the lovely Mediterranean Sea, and then I got caught in a riptide, and I thought I was going to drown. Ah. So, um, And I didn't quite understand. I mean, I really only f lived uh, through sheer luck and stupidity because I didn't understand that what I needed to do was to just... Uh, allow the tide to, to you know, move me until it moved me no further, and then I could break free from the force. Um, but, but in order to do that, you've got to uh, resist the panic, haven't you? Yeah, and I, but I didn't, I didn't even know that. So I was panicking. I was doggy paddling, paddling, and I was uh, too embarrassed to yell and wave to my friends on the beach. So in fact, I just thought, oh, I don't want to make a fuss. And I don't know why I came <gasps> over. So end of the time to make a fuss. Crazy. I know. I know. I know. But. I, I, <laughs> you've ever been in any situation where you should make a fuss i always second guess it yeah. we're talking about the other oh, day when it's yeah. come time to ring 999 or whatever i always ask myself mm, is this really necessary <laughs> yeah is this call yeah. i yeah. know this shop is the other day i was driving home you know i drive home at stupid o'clock in the morning i live miles away and by the time i got home it was really 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 early in the morning it was like three o'clock in the morning and there was a shop on fire and I could see the flames from... What? Yeah, there was a shop on fire. So wow. I, I drove a little bit closer to see if it was what I thought it was. Yes, it certainly was. There was a shop on fire. And even then, when I'm looking at the, <sighs> these flames lapping at the sky, yes. um, I did think to myself, oh, maybe someone else has already rung. Maybe I shouldn't ring that. But, you know, uh. stupid. But I guess it's because we were always taught, don't trouble 999 if you don't need to. <laughs> yeah, you really yeah. embedded that, that teachable moment, didn't you? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Okay, I'm, gl I'm glad I brought you up on such a high note there, Lee. Yeah, you really did. Much. You didn't pace it correctly, <laughs> did you? <laughs> no, I really didn't. I'll think it through next time. <laughs> yes, see that you do. You, you go steady on those crutches. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Take Keep on the good work. Thanks, Thanks very much, Graham. This week. Ah. Oh, thank you. Thanks. 0344 499 If you want to talk about that or something completely different, this is the place to do it. Yes, it is. Um, thinking about saying the wrong thing or, or not saying the right thing when you should. I was just reading about uh, more on Melania Trump and her, her gaffe, her sartorial, her wardrobe. But they've uh, doubled down and just said, it's just a jacket, get uh, over it. They just... 
Oh, they've said so many different things. You know, the whole nature of that chaotic regime in Washington, D.C. is that they just say everything. They try one thing. That doesn't work. And then they say something else. They say mm-hmm. something else. So, And then they'll tell you it didn't happen. They tell you it didn't happen or whatever. So, uh, yeah. So a spokesperson did say it was just a jacket. But then Trump came back and said, no, she wore it. She picked it on purpose because Melania has now learned about fake news. And she wanted to announce that she wasn't going to be taken in by it anymore. Yeah. But this sure is, she has. This is a, um, a little detail I read today. Uh, it was actually reported in uh, Huffington Post, but I read it in... Uh, Washington Post. So she was in she was visiting a group of child migrants in McAllen, Texas, in a facility there. And as she said goodbye to them, Melania said, good luck. Good luck to the kids. So that's great. And then when an employee at the facility told her that the average length of stay for the kids is currently 42 to 45 days, she responded, that's great. Melania, are you listening? <laughs> That's great. Just she's I don't know. Is she totally an idiot or she's just she doesn't want to be there. She's just I think the jacket says it all. Yeah, the jacket says it all. Yeah. Wow. The jacket is actually more eloquent than she is. Well, I don't know whether I feel sorry for her. Or I want to shake her. Well, I th- one thing is for sure is that she was 100 percent on board with the whole birther campaign that uh Trump was advocating, which was Barack Obama was supposedly not an American citizen yeah. and that he was born in Africa. And he's a Muslim. Yeah, and he's a Muslim and all this truthy stuff that they were working on. There's oh. some people still holding on to that stuff, though, aren't there? Well, I think um, she is. That's, that's one of her beliefs. But like I said, I mean, I think she was just really on board with this whole thing to get white tigers and gold toilets out of it. So this first lady happenstance is not something that she necessarily wanted out of the situation. I think she just wanted to, you know, like have a child and go shopping and, you know, see him as little as possible. Yeah. Look pretty. And I don't know what she does. Do leg exercises. I don't know what her lifestyle is like. I'm just trying. I have no idea. No, I don't think he does either. No, (laughs) no. It's, uh, It's just such an odd thing. To, I don't know. I've just never, I've never operated on that level where I would be involved with someone because they would make, I don't know, for financial. I'm assuming for financial reasons. It certainly ain't the charm, is it? It's not. Or does she think he's funny? He is kind of funny. (laughs) He's funny, all right. No, he he definitely has like a Trump has a kind of a delivery, doesn't he? So he's kind of like he's got this sort of comedic delivery, and he's kind of says he and he repeats things over and over again. Like the punchline comes seventeen times. However, what he's saying is terrifying because it's all about hatred and denying the rights of everybody. And you know now he's talking about going into space. Oh, I hope he goes into space. Is he going to go into space? That's good. Bye. No, he'll send other people. Um, President Donald Trump's announcement on Monday. I I only heard about this today. Of a sixth branch of the armed services, the Space Force. Space Force. Because he hates those aliens. He hates aliens. Um, It's been a surprise proposal. Which a lot, I think a lot of the stuff he comes uh, yeah. out with is it's surprising a, to him. It, yeah, it's, surpri- <laughs> it's certainly surprising to the people who he's hired to protect him from such surprises. Yeah, and then they have to all pretend that Scramble. they knew about it all along. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we're on board with that. A surprise pro- proposal issued after months of frustration at Pentagon skepticism. So uh, you can imagine people going, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure about this one. Wait, so what's the idea behind Space Force? Are they going into outer space to kill more people from 
uh, high altitude or are they going into outer space to kill Martians? Right. Here we go. This is what he says. Mr. Trump on Monday announced, I'm hereby directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to... Oh, oh, I love that he says hereby. When he says hereby, hereby he's being official. He's being like uh, the emperor. <laughs> okay. Uh, to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a space force as the sixth branch of the armed forces. Right. He added, that's a big statement. Just to underline that, he has his own verbal highlighter pen. Yeah. He seized on the idea a few days later, whipping a crowd in Minnesota into a frenzy of chanting... Aww. Always great. Always space great. Space four, space four. Oh, what? Not lock her up. They need a, They need an alternate to lock her up. According to the Wall Street Journal, the week before his announcement, senior commanders from the Air Force gathered for a strategy session in Dayton, Ohio, but had no idea of the planned announcement. Of course they didn't. I love it. The it pen- is. It is just like the total improv jazz administration. <laughs> I mean, it would be funny if it wasn't... Oh. No, it still is funny. The Pentagon has not created a new service since the Air Force was begun in 1947. Mr. Trump first raised the idea in March, and then again in May. He really likes this idea. It's a big announcement. It's a big announcement. Last year, a bill to include provisions in a defence spending bill were removed amid opposition from senators and armed forces. James Mattis, Defence Secretary, wrote a tw- in a 2017 letter to the Senate Armed Services Committee, I oppose the creation of a new military service and additional organisational layers at a time when we are focused on reducing overheads and integrating joint war fighting functions. Of course. But still, you haven't answered my question. What is the Space Force? What is their imperative? What are they going to uh, defend us from? Well, uh, meteorites, uh, uh, harmful rays of the sun. uh, uh, I just think he fancies rockets. He's been hanging out with you know who, hasn't he? Kim Jong Un. Yeah, but oh, his rockets don't go in the right direction. Yeah, his, his rockets don't go in the right direction. You know he uses uh, anti-aircraft missiles to execute his enemies. Do you know that? Yeah. So um, he loves his dictators, Donald Trump. He aspires to be a dictator. Didn't he say something like he appreciated the way people spoke to um, Kim Jong Un? Yeah, Kim Jong Un uh, really gets the respect that. Uh, that he deserves and Trump thinks that he should be issued with as well. The reason why he gets that respect is because he starves and punishes yeah. his own people. Yeah, yeah, and he's torturing and starving. Yeah, that, minor details, Catherine. I mean, you know, results are everything. Get on board. Get on board with that. Um, but I do like, oh, and, and mortar rounds. That's another way that he's uh, executing his friends and family right. in North Korea. But, uh, very, Ed, still, very, he's a great man. He's a great man. And, uh, you know, you don't mess around with him. Well, he certainly don't. Do you know who's like, he's only like 33 or something, isn't he? That baby soft skin. I know. That that round infant-like physique. Exactly. He's not doing a lot of working out. I think someone was saying, I heard someone saying the other day that um, uh, that Trump was saying how de- he was appreciated how deferential Kim Jong-un was to him when they met. But actually, he's just um, obeying protocol, which is that you show respect to your elders, regardless of whether you actually do respect them. Oh, right, right, And right. obviously to him, he's a really old man. He, what, yeah. is he 74 or something? I don't know. I try not to. You know, the thing is, I keep pretending, I keep feigning ignorance about Trump. But, of course, it just seeps in like osmosis, like, you know, lead in the water in Flint, Michigan, or... What's the latest thing that they're talking about? Apparently, um, the American military are being poisoned by uh, all of the, the chemicals that they use uh, in their various military exercises, including foam that they use to put out fires. And they're saying that this is leached 
into the ground at uh, military bases and into the water supply. Oh, my God. So, um, Lino's got uh, in touch with us. I don't know oh, how yes. he has this information. It's best not to ask. All right. But he says, I believe Space Force is primarily there to fight Sharknadoes. Oh. That would make perfect sense. Okay. Let's have a quick word with Andy. Hi, Andy. Hello. Hello. Hi. Are you all right? Yes. I'm fine. I apologise. I'm not actually Andrew. I'm his friend, Tommy, or rather Billy. Billy Connolly. You're right. Very windswept and interesting tonight. Well, I'd like to think so, but, you know, I've had a very boring week. Oh, really? Tell me about it. <laughs> well, I've been finishing a wee bit of building work, you know. I'm branching out. <laughs> As it were. What's up with Ian, anyway? I mean, where do we begin? Eh? Hmm? Is Ian all right? He's fine. Oh, good. I mean, it's nice to see you too. But, you know, I was worried about Ian. He's fine. He's on holiday. Oh, fine. That's all right. Yeah. Have you had a good day? Uh, fair to middling. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, out of all the dictators, I was listening to your chat there. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Who, who's the worst? Well, um, that's a good question. Now, I don't have all of the dictator stats at my fingertips, and I imagine, I mean, the ones that come to mind are, you know, your Hitlers, your Stalins, your Mussolinis. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, they're, they're top, top rank. Uh, but they're 20th century guys, and I'm sure if we went back into ye olden days, you know, yeah. uh, Pharaoh I, times. Ivan the Terrible. Ivan the Terrible. But I'm thinking, like, you know, Bible times or, you know, Pharaoh times or whatever. There's, like, there's probably lots of crazy stuff. What, like Nebuchadnezzar. He was a bugger, wasn't he not? That, there's a fella. What's the story with him? What's his... Uh, well, he was quite dominant in the Mesopotamian area. And what and w- what was the nature of his dominance? What well, form did it take? Well, basically his dad was a bit of a sod, so he thought it'd be even worse. So, so basically, um, he wouldn't have anyone else dominant, even in very close um, countries. He just had to dominate. So I think that's kind of relevant to... Some of the present day. I think Standard it is. dictator performance, though, isn't it? You can't afford well, to have their powerful neighbours. You must crush them, crush them all. And, and you know, it kind of makes you think what um, kind of in, inherent need some humans have for power. Yes, exactly. What, what is that all about? You know, I mean, I personally don't like to dominate, although I'm probably quite a strong character. I don't know. Well, I think there's something to do with fear. I yeah. think it's kind of the flip side of fear because you, ah, right, yeah. if, if you feel kind of relaxed and happy and like, you, you know, there's an element of trust in your, in your circle, your inner circle, you kind yeah. of let it all hang out. But if you feel insecure, l- that's insecure, what it is. yeah. Right, I see, yeah, yeah. Then you overcompensate and, you know, first day of school, you punch the first kid you see and then you well, take you it. you maybe do, Kate, but I don't, you know, I think that's bad. Yeah, it is bad. <laughs> I'm only joking. It is bad. No, all of that stuff's bad. So then, you know, that's the beginning of the slippery slope right there. I, and Nietzsche used to write about those kind of things, did he not? What was his that, bag? What was his take? on it well I think, take. I think hitler was um uh, thought to have read a lot of his uh, psychology about you know the need to dominate and and to glorify the families that used to dominate europe and you know those that started wars and whatnot and th- that that was the right thing to do that someone had to be dominant that that was the right 
sort of balance. I mean, that to me is atrocious, you know. Well, here's the thing. you got to look at the end game because dictators, it might be fun for a while to have all of that canned applause, mm-hmm. but where does it end up? I mean, Mussolini oh, strung, right. up, strung right. up by his ankles or, you know, I wonder how Trump's going to end up. Uh, hopefully shot into space on one of his space patrol rockets. Yeah, if you rule with a rod of iron, that's the way you're going to go. Oh, speaking of rod of iron, didn't Gaddafi get a bayonet up his right jacksie? Yep. Yeah, yeah that, that's that, not going to be nice, is it? No, no that's not a mellow, th- that's not a good death right there. I've had some pain in my time, but that's going to cap it. Exactly, right up the bahuki. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the, the job satisfaction is with being a dictator. Oh, no, quite. I mean... Thanks very much, Andy. Nice to speak to you. Uh-oh. Potty mouth. Apologies to anyone who heard that on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. If you're but I was enjoying that conversation. He just, I was, and he, then he had to go and ruin it all. Well, he was just feeling relaxed in the company of uh, friends. He was, he was, he was. Oh. Never mind, eh? Okay. I did enjoy that, though. I did. Um, it's a bit spe- strange that you had to speak in someone else's voice, though, but I'll let that slide. Well, you know, everybody likes to take a vacation from themselves from time to time. I mean, we all get sick of ourselves, so it's it's nice to adopt a persona. <laughs> Three four 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 nine nine one thousand. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. It's not just me, though. I'm here with Katie Puckrick. Yes, you are. And thank everything that she's here. Thank the goddess. The goddess, the god, whoever you believe in, and some that you don't believe in. Because this has been a fortuitous couple of days, and it's going to continue until Monday. I was a little worried, though. Was it last night when Ian threatened to come back early? We were all a bit worried about that, but it's not going to happen. Okay. I've spoken to him today, and I've convinced him that he must have fun. <laughs> You're the fun bully. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Don't be coming snivelling to me that you need to come home. Um, let's have a quick word with James. Hiya, James. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yes. Hello there. He- hello. How are we today? Uh, we're great. How are good, we? Um, I'm. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm up late. Yeah, you know, Friday late night. Yeah. Right on. Right on, yeah, right. So what what's what's on the agenda today then? To know you rang us. Uh yeah, well, I wanted to speak to you about something. Go on. Right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get myself composed, yeah? Okay. So She's reaching for this uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait one sec. The suspense is... So, what's your, views, what's your views on the brand new game, Fortnite? Oh. What's the, what's the full gist in it? How do you think it's affecting people? I don't. I don't. I think this sounds like more nonsense uh, perpetrated by people who've never played it and don't get it. You remember when, um, what was it called, uh, Pokemon came out and they were right. saying that it was ruining kids' lives. No, oh, it's not. Yeah, it's it's yeah. time to be their parent, you know? Mm. Oh. So, you know, yeah. deal with it. No, I feel, I, feel, I feel as though that it's being adults uh, portraying it as being like, it's like ruining the lives, yeah. isn't it? But I, don't, I really don't think it is. I think it's just I've never, I've never played it, though, so I don't know. Oh, it, yeah. Is it telling people, is it giving subliminal messages that you must go and kill everybody? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's a violent side. I think it's more to do with tactics, and I think it's... I mean, with the full new thing of Twitch, you know, Twitch, yeah. like there's YouTubers like Ninja who's who are changing people's lives. And I just think, I don't know, 
I think it's a good thing. How is Ninja cha- changing people's lives? Well, like, doing, like, changing people's lives is in when when they join the game with him in it, and it's, like, the, it's just made the day and stuff like that, I think. Right. Yeah. All right, um, I get it. I get it. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be something else next week or next month. There'll be something else that's the yeah, great there's, evil there's, to there's, be there's fought. There's always new crazes, isn't there? There's always new crazes. Yeah, like, there's a story today about some bloke who um, discovered that his kid had spent something like 700 quid in three days on Fortnite. Well, you yeah. know, as someone who forgot to password protect a flipping Kindle yeah, exactly, today, exactly. Can, that's yeah. my bad. Yeah, that's the parents' fault that they're mm. giving, they giving their child. Yeah, I just... You know, unbridled access. Know. Yeah, there's, there's been things all over social media as well about how, uh, like, it's ruining people's... It's just ruining people's lives and that. And I just think it's not really. It's like, remember, yeah, like you made the example of Pokemon Go. Remember when that first came out? Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just feel like the, the media, the media, like, portray it in a way that just makes it toxic. Well, the other it's thing it. is, it, it, it frightens the parents, but it makes it all the more attractive to the people it's aimed at. So it's doing the work of the advertisers, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who I wants mean, to play something that your mum wants you to play? Yeah, exactly. So I've got something else to speak about. What's your views on uh, Tommy Robinson? Oh, I don't know if I know who that is. He's that guy that keeps getting arrested for for breaking his... Why, James? Well, I feel as though he's... It's like the full racist thing and about how he's a racist. I think it just keeps... It gets... Keep on taking out of proportion, like... He's been arrested and he's been put into a prison where people, the the population in there is seventy percent Muslim. Mm. So I mean, it doesn't seem good for him, does it? I feel, I feel well, like he knew what would happen if he broke the terms of his uh, suspended sentence. Was he on a suspended sentence? Yeah, that's that the whole reason why he got locked up. Yeah. Oh God. Well, I, 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 we pray and hope for Tommy Dormley. Is that what you've been building up to the whole time? More, like, I've just been... I'm a bit nervous, actually, because obviously I'm watching the stream at the moment. I'm seeing both two very pretty ladies. Okay, bye. Uh, let's talk to Annie. Hi, Annie. Hi, Kath. How are you going? I'm all right. Hi, Annie. What's going on? <laughs> this is interesting. It, we, we're halfway through the show, and the whole... The spread of subjects has been quite phenomenal, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it has. has. But you know you can throw whatever you want in. Yeah, we've covered a whole range. I'm going to start right from the very beginning and announce that there were no Barbies in my home. I was raised in a Cindy home. Uh, I started out Cindy and then the Barbies started to uh, come into play. And Annie, did you feel that you were deprived because you didn't have Barbies or they just weren't even on the horizon here in the UK? You just It was Cindy all the way. It, yeah, it, it was a bit like, later on it became either Oasis or Blur. You either did one or the other. Right. You couldn't do both. And it was it was definitely a, a Cindy home. But I, didn't, I didn't miss out. She had a swimming pool and she had a, oh. a, a house with a lift and everything. I think she did okay. Great. She did okay. Yeah. yeah she was okay. She but was, well was she badly behaved like my Barbies were or did she was she a good girl, your Cindy? Well, she was mostly a good girl, but I've also got older brothers, so occasionally I, I would go to play with Cindy and find Action, action Man in bed man. with Cindy. This is the thing, yeah. right? Because when I was a kid, apparently she'd had a boyfriend when my mum was a kid, um, Cindy, but boyfriend Paul was not available in the shops as far as I knew while, the, while I was in my Cindy phase, so Action Man did have to be um, 
pressed, thrown pressed in. in. <laughs> he had to be pressed into service. Yeah, and I didn't have brothers, so I'd have to go around my friend's house and and, uh, and and use her action man. Well, see, this is I didn't. Ha- that's why all my Barbies were lesbians because I didn't have. <laughs> it was just like you know being in women's prison. They had no choice. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. No, I, I didn't. I, I had nothing to do with, with Action Man. I didn't want Action Man sullying my Cindy. That, that was my older brother's ent- idea of entertainment. He would right. do stuff like that. Yeah. What a joke. And then, we, yeah, we have covered kind of the full gamut because it just to step in, in, in uh, kind of defense of my profession, I'm also a clinical psychologist. Ah, so we have to agree with everything you say. Well, that's, that's the way I like it. It doesn't work that way, but I do try. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't tend to work for me that one. If I just kind of throw in that, actually, it's Doctor Annie, and no, everybody just kind of laughs and they don't pay much attention. So I'm not sure what he's doing differently to what I'm doing. Oh, his yeah. delivery is totally different from yours, Annie. I find it hugely objectionable. But maybe that's just me. Obviously, I'm some kind of um, nasty woman. Well, yeah, I think that's what it is. I, I think says uh, he has a very specific audience that he's targeting, and he's yes. targeting them very well. Yes. Yeah, so it it does kind of yeah. So, so just it, yeah, him having the credentials, like you said earlier, doesn't necessarily make him right. And there are others with the same credentials that don't agree with him. I just very so suspicious it, yeah. of anyone who drills it into people that you must not question what I'm saying, you know, in this, and you must take every single word precisely as I'm delivering it. And you know, it's not open to interpretation. And this sort of suggestion that any kind of emotional response to what I'm saying or interpretative response to what I'm saying means that you are not, um, you know, keeping true to my message. I find that very disturbing. It is, no, I absolutely agree. And there is the idea as well that because he's all of his arguments, he can present them reasonably. If you disagree with his arguments, it's because you're irrational, irrational. and you don't understand. And, yeah. and, and that's kind of, it undermines a lot of his credibility, I've, I've got to be honest. And that's a classic way that misogynists have, you know, counteracted women's arguments for years, you know, because... Yeah. Women sometimes bring in emotional sides to it, and there's nothing wrong with arguing from an emotional point of view. But he, I've been counted. I had a particularly horrible boyfriend at one point who used to say things like, "You know, your your problem is that you're not rational. You get emotional about things." For God's sake, I'm yeah. not going to be going out with a robot. Either. Yeah, an emotional response isn't a bad thing. It's an emotional response. Yeah. And it's the way most thinking, feeling people respond to things. You shouldn't have to rehearse and have your arguments ready. Mm. That's, it, it's not, that's not how things come across. And it, yeah, it, it is. It, it, the simplicity of what you're saying is, is very intoxicating. But yeah, I think, the, I, I think the, it's the way. It's very seductive as well, how sure yeah. he is of himself. And I think that is is something that is very beguiling to his followers. I mean, just to generalize, of course, but I think people who are unsure of themselves are drawn to somebody who seems like they have the answers and the delivery is so pat. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And because it, it seems so reasonable and it seems so simple. I mean, the, the, the call that you had earlier that, that, that was a fan, a lot of the things he was saying were uh, Peterson's arguments. It was like, well, he wasn't the first person to say any of those things. Mm-hmm. And none of that, that whole self-help world, none of it is original. It's all been said somewhere else before. Sure. But it is, it, it's the way that, that yeah, certain people have absolutely bought into what he's saying and using it for uh, very alt-right arguments. And the fact that he hasn't 
kind of distracted them or, or discouraged them from doing that, I find quite well. Uh, you, disingenuous. you hit the nail on the head there because um, it's not just the alt right; it's the incipient misogyny. Mm. And yeah. he, much like Donald Trump, not that they're necessarily have the same goals, but um, he he takes care to not alienate people who are buying his books and you know paying for his lectures. So he is reluctant to condemn these people who are espousing these troubling points of view. Oh, you're absolutely right, yeah, because he is, in, in, and like I said, at some point, in a few years' time, somebody's going to overtake and somebody else will be flavour of the month and his books will stop selling, so he's going to make as much money as he can now. Mm-hmm. This, is his, this is his one shot, so he's, he's absolutely milking it for everything he can get out of it. And also drawing the lines and saying, you know, you're either in this gang or not, you either get it or you yeah. don't, it makes his people who follow him... And, it, and they are pretty much followers, feel mm. special and like they've unlocked some great secret and that there is something to be proud about the fact that they get it and other people don't. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing that draws people to conspiracy theories as well, yeah. not lumping him in as a conspiracy theorist, but that sort of thing that you you have the key to this arcane knowledge. Mm-hmm. And not everyone's going to yeah. understand it, and that's fine because not everyone is as clever as you are. Right. Absolutely, the intellectual part of it. He very much pushes the the intellectual part yeah. of it, and so it's, it's it is that same idea of yeah, what I'm saying is right because look how clever I am. Well, and who and doesn't it, want it, to it bask is, in the yeah. sunlight of someone who is very clever and also thinks you have potential? We all want that, don't we? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But so I just need to kind of tap into the way he's doing it. And, but with a different message. Yeah. But I just haven't. It's the technique I haven't got. That's what's happening. Keep working, That's Annie. Why people aren't following me in a cult like yeah, way? Yeah, you got to start your own cult. For. You got well, you yes. know, for the cult, Annie, you've got to get a good costume, like the Rajneesh. Have you guys been watching? Oh my goodness, it's so good. Have you watched that, Annie? Uh, the country, no, wild country. That. So uh, the series on Netflix yeah. about the Bhagwan Rajneesh Bhagwan cult. Uh, and it started out great. And when it when I first started watching this, this is on Netflix, Annie. So if you can get mm. get ha- get your hands on it, it's fascinating. It started out like a lovely hippie commune, people well, wearing nice loose clothing, free love. Yeah, it was, it was a little sordid. It looked great, but then it yeah. kind of got. It got more and more sorted, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, it got a little rough and ready. Um, and but yeah, so their but their whole thing was that uh, everybody had to wear in the cult had to wear orange mm-hmm. and burgundy. It was a really yucky combination. In fact, I saw somebody wearing orange and burgundy on my high street the other day, and I wonder if they were a cult member. So, Annie, my advice to you is to be a hit cult leader. You have to think of some like cute uniform. But, but actually, I, I think the clashing colors may be the first test. If they're willing to wear that, then they're willing to swallow anything. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll listen to whatever nonsense I come out with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I need to do. Exactly. Thank you for bringing us your nonsense tonight. It's always nice to speak to you, Annie. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye now. Let's have a word with Jerry. How's Jerry tonight? Hello, I'm okay. Hey, your speech hey. is better. A bit better. Oh, yeah. good. A bit better. <laughs> too well. Too well. I was going to say, actually, Netflix is weird. It's caused a commotion in the lounge today. Whoa, 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 rewind. I'm getting sex scenes and porno in the lounge. You're going to have to fill me in again because I missed the first bit. I feel there's no wrong with you. Oh, no, there's sex scenes in the lounge and the film. Oh.
Did I have cabbage patch dolls? No, my sister did, but uh, I couldn't understand them. You couldn't understand them. They weren't for you. No, my sister loved hers. You had an action. Man, they wore socks. No, wore socks. We had blue underpants on. Right. Okay. Well, it's sensible. Big slot in the middle of his head. Yes. Big eagle eyes. Yeah, he did. Big slot in the middle of his head. We made good use of those eagle eyes when he was playing with the Cindy's. I've thought about last night. There's an emergency to give me on for which stress. There's no need to apologise. I felt a little bit almost killed myself today. I felt a little bit on my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. My pal with the wheelchair. Yeah. And we've ditched got stuck on the joystick. Can you almost run me over? Oh, my God, Jerry, You're lucky to be alive. <laughs> yes, right. But it's really the urine, but I've got wee in my face. Oh, Not a nice. Junkies. Antibiotics taste better. Um, it's been an exciting day today. Mm, well, sounds it. How are you planning? Are you okay? Yeah. It was a bit raunchy last night. It's going to get raunchy again, I can guarantee it, Jerry. So. It's all good. It's better than Babe Station and Cheaper. Hold on to your hat, Jerry. Tell you next. Take care. I'm going before I say anything rude. Yeah, you better. Bye, Katie. Bye. Bye. Jerry came over all unnecessary then, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I almost thought I was listening to something like a secret message being played backwards. Oh, no. You get attuned to it, but, you know, sometimes it's more difficult than others. Let's have a word with Sam. Hiya, Sam. Sam, are you trying to communicate through Morse code? Sam's get. Oh, we're on hold. Hold, please. Your custom is very important to us. Please hold. Nah. Let's have. A, let's talk to Lee. Hiya, Lee. Hello. Hey, Lee. Hello. Hello. I just said, Sam, I rang up. Now it's getting quite, quite addictive, really. Oh, good. I've actually wrote things down as well in, in a little list so that I don't go off track and start rambling well, as I have done let's, most nights. <laughs> well, the rambling is the name of the game. Let's see how far we get, uh, Lee. We'll, start, well, I think I rang up the day before yesterday. I was a security guard, not securing anything, driving around. So we spoke to Katie about yeah, the re- Sunday show and Dennis Pennis. Yeah, we remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also, I didn't mention that. I did used to try and watch The Word, but Teddy Christian, his voice used to just irritate the life out of me. I know why. Um, I know I why. It's the I Mancunian thing. once as well. And everyone, everyone kept calling me Hufty, so I had to stop watching <laughs> The words, because apparently look like Tufty. Then I'm talking about dictators. Oh, right? yes. I, I watched The Death of Stalin. I don't know why, because the title wasn't very appealing. No. But I watched it as a comedy kind of thing. And then when I sort of did a bit of research on it, yes. it was kind of true, the things it did. I was interested and in that film. I didn't actually see it, but uh, <clears throat> it's so well, I, truth I, is stranger I, than I, fiction, that kind of that's thing. That's Armando Inucci, isn't I, it? Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I think it was him. Don't want to do a spoiler alert like that guy who rings Ian up and then proceeds to tell you the whole plot of the film. Well, just keep it general. At the start, um, there's an orchestra doing a, an orchestra thing. And he just rings up and says, I want a recording of that. But they forget to record it. So they have to go and get the orchestra back to re-record it just for him. But the composers, like, gone home on the bus and they can't find them. So they're knocking on doors trying to get composers to come. But that actually happened, which is a bit mad. No. And he killed 20 to 25 million people, which mm. is... 
Quite a lot, really. Yeah, well, I'm sticking him as number one. Admittedly, most of them are his own people. But does that make it any less worse? No, no, it's worse. And I mean, one of his specialties, of course, was as soon as he bumped off somebody who he disagreed with in, in his government, he had them airbrushed out of the official portrait. So there's a... Yeah, and he bumped off like the family of them as well, uh, and the oh, next yeah. door neighbors and things. Yeah, so he there... Had so, all the doctors killed, apparently, because he thought they were trying to poison him. So yeah. when he actually was ill, there wasn't a doctor left because he'd had them all killed. Hoisted the guy, by his own petard. Is that the guy who was um, against all the intellectuals as well? So he bumped off all the clever people. He uh, just... He just yeah, he just, if you sort of brushed past him, I think he just bumped it off, didn't he? I think that's, that's, isn't that Mao? Wasn't that the Cultural Revolution? Right, yes. So that was, that was his specialty, was uh, if you wore glasses, you were obviously an egghead, therefore, off to the country, go till the field. Yeah, if you were still wearing the glasses once you knew that was the rule, then you obviously weren't that clever. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, that, that sound logic, though. If you wear glasses, obviously you are intellectual. I, I personally wear glasses. Well, there you and are. I come to work, I take the glasses off and wear contact lenses because I have flashbacks to when I was in school and used to have the national health glasses that the issues at the time, which is now trendy and everyone wears. Right. So I'm wearing something very similar now, Lee. Yeah. It was it was Grange Hill was out and there was um what was his name that, that you'll be wanting Grange Hill? Oh uh, no, um Roland. Roland, yeah, and that, that girl used to go, hello, Roland. She so did. I just have flashbacks to people calling me Roland. Well, I don't say this on the radio. But anyway, that was another point. <laughs> the next one was, I spoke about radio voiceovers, where people do impressions on radio voiceovers. Mm-hmm. But sort of related to that, you hear things like headache tablets, and it says nothing is as effective as this tablet, or nothing works better than whatever. Does that mean they're basically admitting that nothing is as good as it, so they're totally useless? I think you've seen a flaw in their cunning plan, Lee. Nothing is as effective. That basically is saying that you may as well take nothing because it's effective. <laughs> Good shout. me. Good shout. And finally, on Fortnite, it, it, it's a work of genius. They basically bought a, a game out that's pretty good, all the kids think. It's absolutely free, so everyone can play it and download it. But if you want to get a new haircut or whatever, then you've got to pay with people's credit cards. It's making yeah. like three billion pounds, isn't it? Just give a game away for nothing, but you have to buy anything in it. It's the way they hook you every fun. time. It's like a drug pusher giving you a little bit of free stuff so it gets you uh, gets you in the habit. <laughs> Good to speak to you, Lee. Yeah. We're going to have to go um, uh, because we need to take some um, commercial messages and then we'll be back with Roger, John and Sam and maybe you. 0344 499 1000. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. And Katie Puckrick. Yeah, that's the one. That's her there. Me. Can you tell the difference between our voices? Because for a long time they didn't have women on together because they thought that it would be too confusing. Men together are the most confusing combination ever, <laughs> I think you'll find. Let's have a word. We've got a load of men together. Yeah. Unless Sam is a female, what do you reckon? Female or male? Or both. Let's listen. It's 2018. Let's find out. Let's guess. Hi, Sam. Sam? Hiya. Oh, boy, Sam. Hi, boy, Sam. Hi. Hi. So, I've come here today to speak about how the gaming industry oh, yeah. is taking over the world. Right. Well, clearly balls, but carry on. Well... Firstly, the new game Fortnite, which I've been listening to quite a while now, and I've been hearing um, people talking about Fortnite, but they haven't really explained what the gaming industry has changed into. And so what has it changed into? 
Well, so firstly, um, there's a lot of people playing the Fortnite game. Of over like two million, I'm saying. And um, so basically, there's a load of like gamers. There's loads of gamers and that. Do you know what? Now I'm bored. Let's go to John. Hi, John. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi there. I'm just um, discussing the problems that face our younger generation. Oh, thank goodness. And what are they? Specifically, the pressure to feel the need to fit in. Okay, go on. Yeah. As a person my age, 14, I feel... um, You're 14? Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to have to speak to your parents and ask if it's okay to speak to you then. Hello, Roger. (laughs) Hello, Catherine. I'm busted. I don't know what's going on tonight, but someone sent up the bat signal. I don't know. I think somebody's been putting something in the water. What did you want to say, Roger? Oh, and hello, Katie. Hi. Uh, Well, Lee sold my thunder a little bit. I'm, well, I'm, uh, I'm a gamer. Uh, Ian knows I'm a gamer because I play uh, a lot of Overwatch. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing with Fortnite is that it's the latest big thing. And that's why uh, there's a lot of fuss and a lot of drama about it. Because uh, the, the reason it's in the news is that the World Health Organization are uh, considering uh, putting video game addiction as a uh, recognised uh, issue in the next diagnostic manual. Mm-hmm. And... <sighs> oh, I'm nervous, sorry. That's all right. So do, do, you, do you believe in video game addiction? Yeah, yeah. But is it addiction to the video game or is it addiction to... Is it just compulsive behaviour? And if it, it wasn't can, that, it would can, it be something it else? Be, that's, that's the thing. There's a big difference between somebody who likes video games yeah. and, the, and somebody who uh, is you know, compulsively addicted. Yeah. And that's one of the issues that some, some uh, psychologists and psychiatrists are coming forward and saying, hang on, the World, or- the World Health Organization are jumping the gun a bit because there's still not been... There's been there's been so many studies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's been no cons- there's been no consensus, especially you know around uh, you know, how they affect kids, uh, you know video game violence. Uh, I think a lot a lot of it, it it does come down to the parents. There are ratings on these things. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more than two million that play. By the way, but apparently it's seventy million. That's not the only thing that was slightly dodgy about that phone call, but carry on. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and if some, if anything becomes a problem and it's interfering with your life, then that needs addressing. But I just, I don't really buy this this narrative that um, you know it's the great ill of our day. You don't um, get people going on about kids or people being addicted to reading books. Well, no, like my daughter, which has cost <laughs> me dearly today. Oh, that's a brilliant story. But, but it's just classic. But she doesn't she doesn't know, and it's my bad for not putting the password on. So that's the end of that story. But I'm certainly not going to be going to the papers and blaming Kindle for being addictive yeah. and, and some sort of trap for nine-year-olds. It's my fault. There's parental controls. Yeah. There's, par- there's parental controls on all consoles. Mm. I could set up parental controls on my PS4 if I wanted to. Yeah. 
you can set levels so it, so a certain user can't start a particular game. Yeah, I've got it on mine. So my yeah. uh, six-year-old can't play games of you know of a certain age, an age rating, um, and she can't go online and talk to other people. All those sort of yeah. things it doesn't take very long, and it's not difficult to set up, but it just does require a little bit of attention from whoever's the so-called responsible adult. Yeah, even. Uh, under Sony's terms and conditions, you're not supposed to have an adult account for a kid. No. So it shouldn't have, a, a, a kid's account shouldn't have a credit card no. or a debit card tied to it. No, exactly. And as an aside, that nonsense about Tommy Robinson earlier, he's not, he's not been put in a prison with uh, 70% Muslims. It's, it's been heavily, it's been it's been totally debunked on Twitter several times. Mm. It's, I think it's. I think it was something like out of the prison population, there was something like twenty percent. Right. Well, I mean, I refer you to my previous comments. I was waiting yeah. for the punchline with him as well, and uh, <laughs> sadly, it never really came, did it? No. Mm. No, they need, they, they, need to put their, they need to put their ideas up, to be honest. You know, they should ring someone who's, you know, not inviting everyone to talk about whatever they want. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> no point in trying to swerve a conversation that's, that's swerving anyway. They should ring the other side, to be honest. Oh, my goodness, I, I would love that. Like that. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for right. ringing us. It's nice to speak right. to you. Thank you, Catherine. All right, take Bye. care. Bye. Bye, Roger. Bye-bye. Um, here's John. Hi, John. Hello, the two Ks. Hey, the one J. Oh. <laughs> How are you doing? You all right? Yeah. What you got? Um, well, the last guy was going on about um, addictions and all this kind of thing. Yeah. And to be honest, I think personally, as a parent, it's down to the parent, you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of gaming addiction. But if you think about it, it stems from parenting and control and introducing them to gaming from you know slowly introducing it and controlling it mm. um then it doesn't happen you don't get that problem do you you know it's like anything no um, and i heard something really interesting the other day and it made me think and it made me adjust my tactic right because i've found that my daughter my eldest daughter likes to play mm-hmm. uh roadblocks on the um, on the laptop and yeah, yeah. it was getting to a point where when we told her to come off the laptop we'd get some attitude yeah. from her and that would be used <laughs> yeah. as oh there's evidence that you've had too much screen time yeah off you come young lady but i heard someone talking about it and this makes perfect sense and i had a word with my yeah, husband yeah. and i went do you know what we got to adjust it right so you're engrossed in doing whatever it is that you love doing and someone yeah. says right now you've got to stop that immediately so you're reading a book for example or watching a film and someone comes in and pulls the plug out or shuts the book yeah. on you of course you're going to be annoyed it's frustrating so yeah. um so the suggestion was, and it seems obvious now, of course it does, it always seems bloody obvious okay. when when, yeah. when you think about it and when someone presents yeah. an, an opposite way, but, you know, just say, right, you've got 20 minutes and then you're yeah, off, okay? And then you give them five minutes. And it's so yeah. that they're, they're getting used to the idea that it's, that it's going to end and they can finish I, up what they're doing. I think this is a thing as well with teenagers and everything else. It all stems from early days, you know. You need to establish early... Yeah those boundaries because if you don't that's when the trouble starts you know i don't know uh, i don't know why we forgot about that about the the five minute rule because we used to do it in the park all the time right you've got 10 more minutes girls and then we're going yeah and then we give them five minutes i I think a lot of it is uh the the the, 
I'm not going to get on this road, but the PC kind of thing, you can't tell your child what to do, blah, mm. blah, blah. You, it, people are scared now no. of um, how to approach your children and how to deal with your children. There's so many rules and you can't do this uh, and you can't do that. There are, but it's, in the end they live with you yeah. and you have to get hold of that quite early on, I think. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So uh, I think it's back to basics and I think um, people will go wrong. Yeah. Thanks very much, John. Thank you. I'm going to give you five more seconds and then I'm going to hang up. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. I love you lots. Bye. Bye, John. 03444991000 if you want to give us a ring. Um, We're fast approaching the news, so you can be on the other side of this. I think we've got Jack and Paul lined up already, but then it could be you. Um, If you'd rather, you can tweet us at Talk Radio, at Flipping Calf, at Katie Puckrick. Or you can text us. You just need to text TALK and your message to 87222. That'll cost you 25p per message on top of your standard network. Uh, Rogers sent me a, a tweet through. Ha ha, I was tripping over my words more than usual tonight. I wanted to dig myself into a big hole and hide. No. Too hard on yourself. Too hard on himself. Thanks very much, Roger. And as we say, you could be next on the phone. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to TALK Radio. And I am Catherine Boyle. And I'm Katie Puckrick. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. 03444 Mind the gap, everyone. Uh, if you want to give us a ring, that's uh, all cool with us. We'll talk absolute nonsense around the sides of it. And Hopefully. you're free to either talk nonsense or give us a damn good dose of sense. Yes. Where the sun don't shine. Right where the sun don't shine. Or my favourite of your sayings, right in the kibbles and bits. Right in the nicks and the knacks. <laughs> you can text us uh, 87222. Just put talk before your message and that'll cost you 25p per message on top of your standard network. Right? It's barely anything at all. Um, or you can tweet us and that'll cost you nothing at all. At Talk Radio, at Flipping Cath, at Katie Puckrick. Um, or you can ring us as Paul has. Hiya, Paul. Hey, Bruce. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for hanging on for us. No, no problem at all. Uh, obviously, it's good to listen to a bit of the news on the phone anyway. <laughs> I don't mind. Um, yeah, I was calling because you mentioned about like having like uh, timers for for kids and saying having you know you've got ten minutes and so on. Yeah. Now, I've got like like the greatest pro tip I've ever ever been told. Oh, hand anybody. it over. Now, I've I've been teaching for like the last seven years, and I I got told it by uh, by a you know, seasoned pro teacher, um, and it's. It's great. I, I do it with my, my four-year-old now as well for, for certain things. So, for example, say for, say my four-year-old um, wants to do craft mm-hmm. um, before bed, and he you know he'll stay there. He'll do twenty minutes of it if he, if he wants to do a half an hour. But I want him to go to bed in ten minutes. I always give him an option of how long he wants. So I never go above the time limit that I'm setting. So I don't want to do it for more than 10 minutes. So I say to him, right then, do you want to do it for five minutes or 10 minutes? And every time, obviously, he will pick the 10 minutes. Right. That he is making, you know, the decision and he is getting the extra time. Yeah. It's amazing. Because right at the end of it, then I just say to him, you know, you, you, you picked the time, you, know, you, you didn't want five minutes and there's just never any fuss. That is such a good it's idea. Awesome. That's kind of an adaptation of something I use when they're getting dressed because now my girls are insisting they want to pick their own outfits, okay? So, yeah. um, and in fact, it's brilliant because they come downstairs and they'll say, Mum, does this work? <laughs> <laughs> but what I tend to do is I'll let, I'll say, right, are you going to wear this or are you going to wear this? And actually, I've yeah. decided on two things that I'm happy with, right? But yeah, they exactly. feel like they're choosing. 
Yeah, and it's it's great in, in classroom. It works brilliant because the kids kind of you know, take ownership of the time and yeah. they, they really push themselves to get it done in you know in the time that they have chosen. I mean, if this dealing with great. children is just a constant kind of game of wits, isn't it? It really is, and I you know they they way smarter than me, so like, you can't be on on your game all the time. Let me let me ask you yeah. something because I had to involve a teacher in something today, and uh, I think I did I think I did I think I did a right thing. I'm not sure I did the right thing. Um, my eldest daughter is nine and recently we've had a bit of teenage stuff drifting in with her friends, you know, a group of girl friends and it's got quite psychological in that, you know, one will be yeah. falling out with the other and it'll be, I'm not your friend anymore and I'm not going to walk home with you anymore, that kind of stuff. You know, where boys tend to just butt heads and they'll be best friends again. Yeah. This is like quite, quite, well, like I say, quite psychological. So this has started, my daughter said to me yesterday, oh, they won't walk home with me anymore because one of them's fallen out with me and um, she's turned the rest against me. Um, and this one that had fallen out with her apparently squared up to her yesterday and said, I hate you so much, I'd like to smash your face in. What? <laughs> yeah. So that kind of stuff, because up to a point you go, right, okay, well, this is just unfortunately stuff you've got to deal with and I can't be ringing everyone's parents every time one of them looks at each other funny because just stuff you have to deal with okay um but with that i thought right mm, no not so great and this is a kid who is not having the greatest time personally at the moment for various reasons this is the friend you're talking yeah. about not having a good time yeah, yeah. And, and actually she's a girl i've got a lot of, a lot of time for she's a nice spirited interesting in and um you know i really like her she's a great character and i know she's having a really hard time and so i was kind of First of all, when I heard what she said to my daughter, I was I felt the fury. And I thought, right, I've got to tell her mum about this. And then I thought, hang on a minute, is there a better way of doing this? Um, because, you know, she's having a crappy time at home. I don't want to heap it on anymore. But obviously it needs addressing, partly because, you know, I don't want any aggro being taken out on my daughter, but also because this kid's having a really hard time. And if it's exhibiting itself in this way, that's something that needs addressing. So... The great thing about these days is you don't have to go down the school. You can send an email direct to the teacher. Yeah. And so I wrote to the teacher and I said, look, this is what's happening. I'm concerned that we're getting kind of an increase in aggressive behavior. And, you know, I like this kid and I'm worried about her almost as much as I'm worried about my own daughter. And the fact that, you know, she asked me to walk her to school this morning. This is a nine year old who's mm. up to this week is not wanting to hold my hand in front of her friends anymore because she's so grown up. But this today she says, can you walk me to school? You know, you know it's getting bad. Yeah. So I got something back from the teacher and she said she'd have a word. And um, and she said that the girl kind of explained that some stuff's going on at home and she's having a tough time and she agreed that she's kind of taking it out on my daughter because she's one of her best friends and that's sometimes what you do, strangely, to people that you really care about and you know that are not going to go anywhere. Mm. So the weirdest thing was... So they had this conversation. They clearly made up because... I went to pick my youngest daughter up today from school and she's at a different school and my eldest pitches up and I thought, oh God, have they fallen out again? She wants to walk home with me. And then this friend turns up as well and they're best mates again. It's like all forgotten, all forgotten. And what I did, I said to the friend, come here, come here. And I gave her a hug and I said, do you realise how special you are? And she, the kid was like blown away. Um, and then I took her more for an ice cream because I feel sorry for her and I know she's having a tough time and I'm really pleased that they managed to patch it up 
So you were kind of like dis- diffusing the situation, disarming this that's potential bomb. That's what I'm hoping I'm doing. It. But yeah. was it was it weird doing that? <laughs> was it weird doing that? It certainly took her feet from under her because I think she was a bit worried about seeing me. Mm. I'm, I'm, I don't think it's weird doing it at all. I think um, anything which diffuses a situation is always good, isn't it? Yeah. It's got to be. Um, yeah, and you know, to say it from like a, a teaching point of view, I will always try to get kids to um, you know to, to make friends mm-hmm. in the first instance. And if that doesn't happen, just to avoid each other, you know, and that's just a tense of diffusion. But to, you know, to go up to the kid and tell her that you you know you, you think a lot of it, in other words, and I don't know, that's going that's going to make her feel pretty pretty good, hasn't it? It's going she she seemed re- she it, seemed really chuffed, and you know. Like I say, we, I've known this little girl for quite a while. I know her mum and I know the situation. And and I know that she and my daughter get on really well. And I can't believe that she would behave the way she did unless she was under some extreme sort of pressure. Yeah, it, it is often like a cry for help, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and what they say in, in schools particularly is um, if kids are not having the attention at home, then they'll do anything to get their attention. Mm. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. You, you know, even good kids will do bad things in school to get the attention of the teacher. Um, also, they can get sent out of the classroom and have that one-to-one time with the teacher you know, outside the door. Very often happens. Uh, and, you know, I've seen it a lot in, in seven years. I've seen kids who, who really struggle yeah. uh, with, with their life outside of school. But the school is, is often a constant forum. Right. That's often the place where things can be resolved because yeah. that's always there. That's what I thought. I thought rather than going to the mum who's kind of up to her eyes in her own stuff, I, I did feel a bit like I was telling tales. But I also thought a lot of this is happening at school. And it turns out, actually, because my daughter said, oh, well, the good thing about this, and, and I cleared it with her. I said, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to talk to her mum or do you want me to talk to the teacher? Or, you know, is it something that's going to pass? And she went, no, I think it's getting worse. And I emailed the teacher and I told my daughter that that I'd done that. And she looked visibly relieved. And she said, the good thing about this is that we'll go and sit with the school counsellor again. And and they've got cool, um, like, cuddly toys while you talk and stuff. And they've got colourful sofas. I went, whoa, 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 what do you mean again? So <laughs> it seems that they've already been in there as a group of friends. Yeah. Because, so and they're aware of a picture. The counsellor's going to have to tell you anything either. Yeah. It's, Completely confidential. Exactly. But you know the fact that she told you uh, again is a great. Yeah, thing, I know. Um, it's, a, it's a great service in schools. Honest to God, it's, it's changed God, in the time I've been teaching. It's so much better than when I was at school. I had a really tough time when we moved schools and felt quite isolated. And you know, I think I had a little, you know, mini nine-year-old breakdown when when we first moved house, and I felt awful. You know, I couldn't accept that we'd moved for such a long time. And they didn't really deal with it at school at all. It was just something we had to sort out at home, really. But yeah. now schools are really aware of it. And I, I was really impressed, actually, at the speed at which the, it all got resolved and the fact that the teacher wasn't phased by me asking her for help, you know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, like I said, it's kind of like the professional diffusers of situations. Yeah. They're having to do it all the time, all day, every day. Yeah. So it's often the best place for, for conflicts like that to be resolved, I think. Turns out they were more familiar with the situation than I realised as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they often are. The, the stuff you get told as teachers, honest to God, is stressful sometimes. I because bet. you take it home with you as well. Well, how do you d- diffuse that from... Uh, not diffuse that. How do you... You know, not get too attached. Break there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. It really is tough, and it, it'll all depend on um, a 
perhaps a time of day that you get told things or a time of week, for example, if you you know, if you've got a situation last lesson on Friday and a kid goes home upset onto the bus. Yeah. My God, you know, I'll go home and I'll I'll worry about that all weekend, I'll think about that. I'll hope that, that kid's okay. And very often I you know, I, I text yeah. other you know, the senior leaders in the school and I'll just say like, you know, if, you're able to contact them because they've got, you know, they've got everybody's telephone numbers and stuff and they often know the families better than I do as well. Mm. But yeah, it does, you know, it bothers, it, it bothers me. Um, it bothers a lot of teachers. And I tell you what, like the the 14-year-old boy who phoned up earlier and, and his mates, honest to God, I just don't think that, particularly that, that age group, that 14, that kind of year nine um, age group, they just, they don't realise how much teachers will work for them mm. and how much teachers care for them. They, they just don't get it. And when they leave school, I think they, they start to have that appreciation. Yeah. And God, teachers, honestly, they they are the most kind of caring people and the most supportive people. And they'll do it all, take the abuse back and give you the second and the third and the fourth chance as well. Yeah. Um, it's that thing of remembering, you know, because like I say, when I first heard what had been going on, I felt... I felt rage about it. How dare that, that kid do that to my daughter and yeah. upset my daughter? Because she's the most placid... Um, of course, everyone thinks the sun shines out of the backsides <laughs> of their children, but she's the most placid, gentle, kind person. She's won flipping awards at school for being kind and compassionate to, yeah. to her peers. She's, she's a really easy target. She's competitively kind. Yeah, she is. She's too nice. <laughs> you know my, my little boy's exactly the same. She's soft-hearted, you know. Yeah, she's really soft-hearted. So I felt the rage, and then I kind of went, oh, "Hang on a minute, that's someone's that's someone's baby too. That's that's a nine-year-old. That's a kid." Yeah. Yep. Even though, from- here's the thing: these sort of teenagey type episodes, they seem to be happening really early. Is that normal? Uh, I think you're right. I think it is getting earlier. Um, yeah, I think like now, um, in the past year or two, we've had problems coming in from primary school into secondary so the problems have been told to us on that transition in mm. um that there's existing feuds between families and there's existing you know arguments and and so on between certain children and that's happening when they're like 10 years old um Man. before they get to you know secondary school God. So this is part of the reason why i've not bought a phone you know because i think at least they're not being able to send it because it would have happened. You know, it would happen. And you know, especially little girl groups and stuff is crazy. Sending each other messages. And they don't realize yeah. the power of it, you know? And they all pile on. That's, that's the other thing with it as well. As soon as somebody says something on Facebook, yeah. um, everybody just gets on it. Yeah. And all the kids will just, you know, they'll, they'll all put a comment on it. And all of a sudden it's gone from some, sometimes like a very vague status about somebody. Yeah. To ninety a hundred comments in a matter of twenty minutes. Yeah, something that might have blown over and it's escalated exactly. to being something quite different. Exactly right. That is, yeah. <sighs> you know, they say school days are the best days of your life. I wouldn't swap with them. I feel dead sorry for them. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I think it's tougher now than ever. Yeah, I, I really think so. For, for those kids, I think the pressure on them is unbelievable. Uh, from from all sides, and I mean, like from, you know media um, presentations of, of perfection and all that. I think um, trying to be a superstar in whatever field it is, yeah. even the amount of kids like, who, who want to be YouTubers, uh, that's their ambitions, to be YouTubers. I know. I know. And the, you know, the pressure they're putting on themselves is ridiculous. 
And then there's the pressure from obviously from exam boards and stuff as well. But, but you know, thank thank God you lot have switched on to it. You know, as I said earlier, I'm repeating myself now, but it was a you know, proper emotional time, and I, 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 they didn't disappoint me. They were brilliant the way they handled it that school today. Um, cool. Do you know what? Tell them. Tell I will. because I did. I sent her an email. But, yeah, because um, that makes a huge difference to a teacher when when you get that feedback from parents, yeah. just to say you know thank you for doing that or whatever. It's, it's huge for teachers. You're right. I think um, a bunch of flowers might be in order. Uh, you know, you don't have to go for a bunch of flowers, but you know, just <laughs> don't overdo it. <laughs> yeah, don't overdo it. <laughs> I'll save that for the really big stuff. <laughs> God, which is sure to come. Yeah, Man alive. Well, you know. Yeah, I don't envy you having. I've only got a boy, you know. I don't envy you having girls because they, they go through some, um, yeah, some some real stages at secondary school, uh, and they they're quite tribal. Yeah. They will gang up on each other in the way, that, like you said, the boys don't. They just crash heads and that's it. And the next big time, they're best mates again. Yeah, and is it's it, very very quick with boys. This is why nature makes them cute, though, Paul. <laughs> so you forgive them <laughs> for being a flipping nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Thanks for ringing, yeah. Paul. Thanks for a lovely, um, lovely evening again. Ah, you're, you're a good one. Thanks very much. Cheers. What a nice bloke. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I liked how you were getting your life sorted out there. I know. Just checking. I have to check with the professionals sometimes because yeah. most parents are just winging it if they're honest. Come on. Well, what? it is a make it up as you go along scenario, and also every child is different yeah. as well. So if you have your strategy down for number one, number two is going to be a whole uh, different ball of wax. My number two is a firecracker. She's the one that's going to be getting the letters sent home. Okay. I can tell. But you know, they're, they're all different. Hi, Keith. Hello, Catherine. Hey, what's going on? Ah, well, I, I, well, I was listening to to you two ladies last night, and uh, good. It was uh, uh, it was really interesting, and I, I picked up um, Ian had missed the monkeys. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I, I missed y- y- your colleague's first name. Who's uh, there with you? What, what do you want to be called tonight, Katie? Uh, you can call oh, me Katie. Katie. Hello, yeah. Katie. I'm Keith. Hi, Keith. Yeah. Well, well, Catherine, what, what, <coughs> I, I sort of uh, going through my mind sort of recently last this sort of last like, a week or two. Uh, I always rig up about films and different things. And what you were saying last night about people and relationships, um, where you've not matched up in terms oh, of yes. yeah, emotional yeah. intelligence or values, and it sort of like stuck a chord with me. That you know, all the, the all the, the, the thinking around about opposites attract. It's a lot of rubbish. It's what you got in common. And if you take yourself back, I was thinking about this like today. On oh, my bike, and I was uh, I was thinking. I think the first thing you ever do when you connect with somebody the opposite sex in your teenage years is look at the the, the record collection, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. See, yeah. And anyway, I, I mean, my my music tastes, are, you know, <coughs> very wide. I'm a big fan of the the Beatles and all and all the rest of it. Anyway, my daughter Emma is 23. She'll go berserk for me mentioning it to her. What she's been sort of drip fed on. A wide range, you know, elbow, you two, different things of, uh, and I've sort of this this last week. I've just uh, like week or two. I've been listening to. Never been a massive uh, fan of Stevie Wonder, but I, 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 I've got the um, re got the to- Talking Book album, mm-hmm. the very you know the one with um, Inner Visions on it and um, Too High and yeah. uh, Miss- Jesus Children. Mister No Obviously, I'm from Wigan, and I know Ian was. Taking the mic out of my accent, but you're, you're a Manchester girl, and you'll know 
the tradition of Wigan Casino. It's, of course, uh, yep. And of course, Wiganers are always the best dressed. The top draw. <laughs> well, we are. I know you're chuckling, but it's true, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and you also do great pies. Oh, come on, Holland. Hey, well, you can't beat Holland's pies. I love Holland's you? pies. Tell you what. Holland's, when... Holland's steak pudding. You'll have to get Katie onto them. Oh, have you ever uh, tried it? No, I haven't. Do you know my favourite is, though, meat and potato pies, and they just don't do them down south. They don't do meat and potato pies. No, when potato. I, when potato I was, pies. When I was pregnant, yeah. I, was, I just really fancied meat and potato pie. Has to be done. And I sent my husband to the chippy. I knew they wouldn't do gravy. But I said, can you go and get me a meat and potato pie, please? Yeah, Easy. but we eat gravy they, on it. They looked at him like he'd asked them for lobster. Well, <laughs> no, just they don't do meat and potato pie. You can have a cheese pie, you can have curry pie, but you can't have meat and potato pie. Well, what? I'll I tell know. you. Anyway, but, but as I said, my thing is, really, like I said, I, I like you probably, your, your range of music interests is wide, but, but I've been listening to Stevie Wonder, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and as I say, do you remember the talking boat? Because yeah. he did that one, and then I never thought Songs in the Key of Life album was that good. But I think that, to, that, that um, um, and I've just been listening to As. As know, is beautiful. It. It's the ultimate. It's exactly what you want and to hear from any you lover know, you have. you know something? The, the words, if you listen to it, I mean, you know. It's gorgeous. It says, I mean, he says something like, um, about the world, because, you know, he's, he says, I'm in it, but not of it. I was just sort of listening, but I just thought I'd mention that. that and anyway, I've got him. And what I tend to do is, like, with these CDs, I'll um, send them, you know, you get used for pence, really. It's the postage. And she's listening to, like, Too High. I just, I thought Too High was never never released as a single. Mm-hmm. And the, other, the last thing I'll say to you is The Temptations, I've just listened to, oh, uh, yeah. was The Rolling Stone. Wow. And, and, and there's no words for the first three minutes, but if you look on... on, on um, on YouTube, the, the the strings on it and the bass. I don't. I think Papa was the Rolling Stone is an absolute classic. God, oh, the tension yeah. it builds, it's amazing. Oh yeah, that's exactly. It's the perfect word for it. Yeah. So I just wanted to to share that, um, and and uh, I'm sure I would have been cut off by that if Ian was there. Oh, sorry, my mistake, Keith. And uh, Katie, you. Bye. <laughs> oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. You never know just where the conversation will take you on Talk Radio. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. If you want to give us a call, we'd appreciate hearing from you. Uh, you can text us eight seven two two two. Put talk at the beginning of your message, and it'll cost you twenty five p per message on top of your standard network rate. Or you can tweet us, uh, and uh, that's either at Talk Radio, at Katie Podcrick, at Flipping Calf, no G. Um, <laughs> someone said I think it's very cruel that people are taking the mickey out of Ian's misfortune but I guess he does ask for it because I don't know if you were listening yesterday but Ian called us because he'd um, woken up to, in America where he'd gone at considerable expense to see the monkeys to discover that the monkeys have cancelled the rest of their tour including the concert he was supposed to be going to tomorrow So um, it could only happen to Ian that's the thing <laughs> So we've got a message here, tragic comic strip to America for American-based American thing in America and ends in American tragedy in America. Pretty good synopsis of what happened. Um, What else have we got here? Loads of text. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Graham's enjoying it. Graham's the guy who phoned us up earlier with the uh, with the broken ankle. From yes, his time away and and he, and he was he was giving us topics: best times on our vacation, worst times on our holidays. Yeah, where's your happy place? Happy place. I confessed to my nudist colony of one. 
There, I'm not. You seem re-energized today, though. I, I, well, actually, what it is is the opposite of energy. I, th- I think I'm actually a little too mellow. I was a bit concerned I was going to hold up my end here as your sidekick <laughs> because I was a little blissed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have a big dose of uh, sunshine and vitamin D, and then and you followed it up with some yoga. I followed up from with some yoga, some big hip openers. Anybody who does yoga knows that once you get into the hip openers, oh my goodness, you're letting that tension just seep away. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was just a puddle of ohm on my rubber mat. You were very blissed out when we first met this this evening. I couldn't really formulate words, and, uh, yeah, consonants were hard to come by. Let's see if that's Paul's excuse. Hey, Paul. Hey, how you doing? Bad time we had your own show, Cass. Oh, thanks very much, Paul. You know, you know I'll drink your bath water. Oh, God. Oh. Let's not remind ourselves of Ew. that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, you're talking about some music tonight. I've just tuned in. Have you ever heard of a, a drummer called George Purdy? No, I haven't. Educate me, Paul. Educate you. George Purdy created the 12-8 shuffle beat, oh. which is all the basis of most massive pieces of music that have ever been created ever Such as? Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, James Brown. He played with them them all and he created the 12-8 shuffle beat. Oh, this is Bernard Bernard Purdy is what it's saying here on the Google. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's Bernard Purdy. Yeah, there you go. Let's get our facts straight. the 12-8 shuffle beat. How does it go? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't rap that. I can't rhyme that. I can't, I can't do that. Oh, you just tantalised us with a fact and not been able to back it up, Paul. Well, I, but you, you can play, just play anything with a, with Bernard Purdy. I'm going to find he's it. Even, he's even done such up-to-date stuff and recorded with a band called Death Cab for Cutie. Oh, yes, I'm aware of their so work. Up to, which is so up-to-date as well. Here's the Purdy Shuffle, apparently. Yeah, here we go. Sexy. The basis of all dance music. There you go. The Purdy Shuffle. The Purdy Shuffle. His original name, I think he came from Chicago originally, or he moved to Chicago and worked with a jazz band originally. And his his original nickname was called Bigfoot. Because? Because I don't know why he was called Bigfoot, but, but the Bernard Purdy shuffle 12 8 timing is the basis of everyday modern. Don't Michael Jackson, as I said, yeah. I could go on forever. You could, Bernard but not Purdy. now. Let's speak to Lee. Hi, Lee. Hello? Yeah, Hello. you're on. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Hi. Hi. It's your turn to speak, Lee. Wait, am I on? Yep. Wait, on the mixer it says I'm not. Oh, well, never mind. Let's leave it. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. I mean, what do I have to do to convince you? I'm speaking to you. The mixer. The mixer said... 
The mixer said no. The mixer said no. Computer said no. My God. Oh, three, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Please, if you are going to ring us, be prepared to speak to us. I mean, it's only polite. You can tweet Talk Radio or at uh, Flipping Kath or at Katie Puckrick, or you can text Talk on your message to eight seven two two two. Can I talk about something that oh. I just has struck uh, a nerve? I wish you would. Okay. Um, apparently, there's a, a new crazy trend in America. And it might come here, um, so be prepared. Fake cops. Sorry? Fake cops. With a P. C-O-P. Okay, yeah. Yes, cops. Um, yeah, so uh, men and women, um, all very diverse, black, white, straight, gay, um, all pretending to be police officers. Mm-hmm. So getting their hands on pretend badges, getting lights that they put in the grill of their car, um, putting some police radios in their car so they can keep abreast of crimes being committed, and um, perhaps purchasing firearms illegally. What? And then showing up at crime scenes and being large and in charge and pretending to be cops. Wow. That's a thing. What's the point? The point is um, they are, they kind of like the flash and the glamour, but a lot of them have police records, these people who are pretend, you know, pantomime police people. Uh-huh. So they can't actually qualify to be a police officer. In fact, they actively, in many cases, dislike police officers because they've been on the wrong end of the law. However, they like the trappings. So this is a thing that's happening. Oh, and there's there's also the other thing of uh, people pretending to be Homeland Security ICE officers. Right. So with this new focus on uh, people who are not like our neighbors being bad, there's a kind of a new enthusiasm for role playing. So live action role playing with a sinister twist. Yeah. So what they're barging into people's houses and threatening to deport them. Yeah. Or um, and of course, that's happening already with real ICE mm-hmm. officers. So there's there's now a thing that's happening in America right around borders, like even Canadian borders, where uh, ICE are stopping American citizens on the road and demanding to see papers. Now, oh my God, we in America, don't know about you guys here, but we t- typically don't carry papers. That's just not a thing that happens. I mean, we might have a driver's license. So it's it's getting a little sinister. But this the fake cops thing is just it's funny. It's like a little it is like role playing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, uh, you know, maybe you're a fan of Dungeons and Dragons or Game of Thrones or, you know, police officers. God, but it's a way to get power. Yeah. And you're saying that they're Getting firearms as well. Yeah, they're getting. Well, I mean, that's not hard, as we know. That's well, yeah, uh, you know, exactly. But still, um, but uh, they. In fact, there was a story recently about a, a a woman who was had borrowed her boyfriend's car, and uh, she had done a kind of butterfingers thing on the dashboard, and she ended up flicking on a police siren and police lights, and she was like, "What the hey?" She didn't know what was going on, and a real police officer pulled over. What's going on here, lady? She had no idea. It turns out that her boyfriend... Oh, she did explain. She said, well, my boyfriend's... uh, He's an undercover police officer. And then they ran a check on the license, on the car, the car owner, the registration. No, he was not an undercover police officer. He's just another one. He's pretend pretend cops. But he'd even told her that. Yeah, he told her that. So that was... uh, and then she she was like, no, no, honest officer, he really is undercover. Like I'm 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 probably blowing his uh, his cover by even sharing this with you. Yeah. Um, 
But just, yeah, just a funny little thing. That's a, another quirky thing about our American cousins. But is that more evidence that people are trying to sort of seize power and trying to feel more powerful when they... Well, I yeah, it's pretty irresistible if you think all you need to do is to dress a certain way yeah. and uh like in this country if you've got a fluorescent jacket you can do whatever you want. You know what I've noticed? I uh have kind of an instinctive unconscious subconscious reaction to a fluorescent jacket where I think it's not that I think that is a person of authority, but I think oh, well, that is a person who is doing a potentially dangerous job. Yeah. So it's like a laborer. I live near train tracks or, yeah. and so there's like uh, people who are always working on the train tracks and stuff. And so I'll kind of note somebody wearing a fluorescent jacket and think, okay, you know, they're dodging trains or they're, you know, working with anvils or, you know, f- fighting with fire. I don't know what they're doing. And then it turns out it's a homeless person. So there's like a new what? thing. Yeah, so there's kind of a thing. I don't know if it's a trend. Don't want to be glib, but too late. I already have been sort of a thing going with homeless where they're wearing the fluorescent jackets as well. So I don't know if that's why could just be, you know, an extra layer keeping warm. I've got a fluorescent jacket for riding my scooter. I haven't worn it yet because I don't tend to ride in the dark because I'm not that great on it. But um, that is a weird thing. Yes. I've I've noticed that like they're not going to keep you warm off duty fluorescent and but the thing is is that i notice that i have the reaction yeah. of like there's a man letting go about his business yeah he's 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 on patrol or yeah. he's on he's on the job and i think he's really not on the job mm. he's panhandling hmm huh. hey chris hello 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 nice to hear from you what okay. do you want to say uh, sorry first time uh, caller long time listener well i'm um, glad you're wrong but yeah, you, it's, it's great. I mean, you, you, I, I must admit, oh, you know the thing—the cop thing in America. Oh yeah. I don't think they can't do that in this country. So I think the cops, friend of mine's a cop, but their, their radios are uh, sort of coded. Ah. But yeah, because you can use scanners I mean, in America, can't you? Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you yeah, can like listen in. in. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody? I mean, there's like, stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and, and people sort of they go to, you know, police sort of uh, incidents because they can hear it on the. You know, I think it's just it's an open air thing. There's no sort of, you know, yeah, but, no barrier. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyone can do it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a weird thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but people are weird. Uh, I think so, we've established that tonight. Oh yeah, we? definitely that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so the reason I call because I, uh, I like you, uh, you like is he in back tomorrow or the day no. after Tuesday or Tuesday? Oh, okay, cool. And I, I, I wondered how you like because obviously it's your first sort of stint as a. Uh, like a host, is it a host? No, yeah, yeah. you're a host, aren't you? Well, and um, like with having like Katie on there, it's uh, I wondered if it would um, it would almost be too much, but you, you guys are absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's oh. it's a cracking listen. Oh, That's wow, great. thank um, you. That's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I obviously like Katie, I, you know, I remember you from the word and all that sort of stuff. and uh, that the, the stuff you, I've heard you talk about before when you came on, like with the perfume and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it's great when you like when you sort of um, explain all that stuff. It's you, know, you you come across really well. I mean, I know you obviously you're you know a long term presenter as well yourself, but um, yeah, you, you girls are doing a cracking job. Well, thanks wow. very much. She's a woman with a great uh, you know great grasp of language and how to manipulate it and paint pictures. It's oh, totally. totally. And also, yeah. you, you both. I mean, Kath. I mean, you. You've got, I mean, you've got, you've got a great accent and you do a cracking job as oh, well. Oh, thanks, all. Chris. I'm going to blow a bit more smoke up your ass, Katie Pod, Chris. Yeah, all thank right. You. <laughs> thank you very much. Nice to speak to you. Uh, thank you, ladies. Bye-bye. Um, bye.
I feel like I've known you for ages. Isn't it funny? Yeah, I don't. I haven't even questioned. I, I mean, we just kind of said hello to each other mm. and then just kept rolling along yeah. without assessing or wondering about it or without any preamble. Yeah, glad we did. Yes. Sometimes you meet people like that, don't you? And you're lucky. I'm going to make sure I continue to stalk you and make sure that you come in whenever we can get you in. Well, I'd love to be here. It's great fun. Stuck if you want to um, join us, you can do that. 0344 499 1000. That's 0344 499 1000. But yeah, this whole thing about people posing as something they're not, it's just bizarre. I've got... Um, I've got some stuff I wanted to talk to you about, like, ah, oh, throuples or thruples, I'm guessing, is the is the uh, way that um, is it's it edi- Is it edible, thruples? It sounds delicious. Well, for the people involved in it, it certainly is. Uh-oh. A trio of polyamorous lovers has regular threesomes and plan to marry and have children together. How is they that? They call themselves a thruple. Okay, we've already covered that. I told you my friend's in a thruple. Mm-hmm. This is uh, two guys, one girl. And um, two guys, one girl. Yeah. You know, it's I know it's prurient of me, but you always want to know, like, who's zooming who? You know, what's being stuck in where? Do they avoid that? Do they avert their eyes at that? But it's polyamorous. So they're all into everything. Sounds like they're all loving each other all the time. That's like I'm sure it's probably not as exciting as that once you're actually in a sort of domestic environment. Well, uh, all I can tell you. I can't tell you anything personally, but um, I did have occasion once to watch an er early cut, an early edit of a documentary about swingers called Sex with Strangers. Uh Can't remember the name of the filmmakers, two brothers who had made a series of documentaries called Taxi Cab Confessions. And a friend of mine actually was the editor on this, and she invited, I guess they wanted... Uh, people who worked in the industry to have a look at it and give them some feedback on Mm -hmm. this final cut. And uh, so she invited me along and some other friends. And the so it was uh, the premise was we're just looking at swingers. And these are people who they might have their main relationship, but then they go cruising in recreational vehicles, recreational with a capital R, and they just park the vehicle outside a nightclub and bring people back and um so for the first, say the documentary is 90 minutes, for the first 20 minutes or so, all you care about is how do they negotiate the sex? Like, how is it all happening? Like, you're kind of interested in the interpersonal aspect of it. Like, how are they making the approach? How are they cruising the people? And invariably, it's always like a man and a woman who are in the couple, but then they bring another woman back. It's usually that, although sometimes it's more of a, like, orgy situation with a bunch of people. And then the next thing you're wondering about is, okay, what is actually happening in the sack? Like, how do they, it's like square dancing, do see do and round and round yeah. and kick them in the butt and knock them down. <laughs> and so you're trying to, it's like playing Twister or something. So then you get, then you're like, okay, I can see how that works or people taking turns or something. And then it's boring. The rest of the whole document is really boring because then you realize Oh, that's that's really the only thing that's interesting. And then the rest of the documentary, it wasn't that the doc was boring. It's that that lifestyle is very tedious because and it's actually quite toxic because what it turns out to be is that there's always one person yeah. who really wants to have the sex with all the random people. And then the other person's like, well, whatever makes you happy. I yeah. kind of like our time together, but I guess I could 
do that other thing. The documentaries I've seen about it, it, it always tends to be a wife who isn't as into it as the yeah. husband is but kind of tolerates it and at least she's involved. Yeah, she's involved. She's not out of the picture. And the thing that was so grim about this documentary is that eventually the husband who was pushing for it did jettison the original wife and brought in the new, younger, you know, less trashed model. So do you think it's affairs for cowards? Affairs for cowards. Yeah, trying to palm it off as, uh, hey, one for all and all for one. We're all into this. We're all super sexy. Yeah, we're all into this. It was really uh, the the main guy in it. Actually, there were a few different guys, but it was a little sociopathic Mm -hmm. because it was all about control and about a little brainwashing-y and a bit, you know, like, no, what's your problem? You're so uptight and you really really need to work on yourself because this is, you know, what what I'm doing is the right thing. Yeah. The one I saw... there were I've seen a few because I do find it fascinating yeah, that whole really... the negotiation of the politics of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It was one guy, a kind of really. Uh, you could tell the wife wasn't into it at all, and she didn't feel as glamorous as the women that they're inviting to these sexy parties and stuff. And he sort of expected her to be involved, but at the same time, he wasn't willing to get involved with anything involving another fella. And I just right. thought, uh, I think this might just be all on your terms, matey. Uh, yeah. And, you know. <sighs> As you say, it ends up being something quite toxic. I'm sure there are plenty of people that make it work and you, they never feature in documentaries. Cause right, They right. look for the characters every time, don't they? But yes. I just don't know. I well, just don't know how people manage. Well, uh, no, they manage. I've seen the documentaries, yeah. but, you know. But that was a funny thing. Oh, so I just looked it up. It's the Gantz brothers who made this documentary, Sex with Strangers, which, in fact, is, is very interesting. But the thing that was the most compelling was you realized um, – it's ultimately quite depressing. Like you go in thinking this is going to be rip snorting, rollicking fun, and it might be quite sexy. It actually is quite soul destroying yeah. to watch how cruel human beings can be to other human beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. This one, this trio, Natalie Fink and first boyfriend Yannick Guar is both 22. That's young to be involved in something that complicated, is my thought. But maybe that's mm. just me being old. Decided to start dating other people in 2016 before meeting Michael Flam, 22. The Thropple share a bed most nights and say they're inspired by German artist Max Ernst. Yeah, make it make it artistic. Yeah. Who lived in a polyamorous relationship. The men say they're heterosexual and never... Su- we're, we're not gay. Uh, and never struggle with feelings of jealousy. Mm. Natalie says, I've always known that I had to love and live my own way and not how society told me to. Okay, I'm, I know this is not the headline part of the story, but Max Ernst, the famous surrealist, was not living in a relationship like that. I think he basically had a series of lovers, uh, and he had, he was with Peggy Guggenheim, who was supporting him. She was a sugar mama, but he also had other lovers, so I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see some facts and figures on that. These guys did not get that memo, and I don't think they would have had time to read it anyway. They <laughs> were very, very busy indeed. They were. They were entering and exiting with great speed. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you want to enter before the end of the show, before you've got we exit, fifteen minutes. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You're listening to Talk Radio with me, Catherine Boyle, and me, Katie Puckrick. The Late Night Alternative with Catherine Boyle. Speech Radio with a difference. Talk Radio. It's me and Katie Puckrick, actually, and completing this threesome, it's Simon in the New Forest. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very well. Go on, Simon. Well, um, this is this is a bit awkward, actually, but I thought I'd, I'd give it a go because um, of a word that 
Katie came out with earlier on. Um, and the word that you came out with, Katie, was incel. Mm-hmm. And I read an article um, recently about incels or male incels. And um, I, I kind of am one. And it's difficult. It's really, really difficult because I'm finding that as the years go on, of which they are accumulating, I'm finding it easier to um, I'm finding it harder and harder to, to approach anybody um, because of obviously the the implications nowadays of especially with, with the work I do I've got to be so careful with my my license I can't be accused of anything because you're a taxi driver um, yeah 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 but you can't actually especially in this line of work um, approach anybody anymore no. and that yeah. kind of compounds the problem and I have social anxiety anyway, so I don't go out. Um, my way of coping with with life is is to work because that's where I'm, that's my happy place. Because right. you know, um, so it kind of it, it kind of um, keeps me um, locked in this prism of um, I said, and I said prism with a, a M for mother rather than prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but it keeps me locked in this. Although it's a very safe world. It's a very frustrating world, and um, it, it, it's got to the stage where cause I've used um, a lot of dating sites in the past. Sorry, <clears throat> this is actually quite difficult to talk about. Um, normally, I'm up for the crack, but you know, things have come up, yes. um, and it's it, it's got to the stage where this is, this is going to sound quite harsh, I suppose, but it's got to the stage where I now view myself as so hideous and horrendous to look at because I use a lot of dating sites and although at the very beginning I was getting a few um, responses, I don't anymore. And having done this job for 12 years, and a lot of people think that being a taxi driver, you must get it on a plate all the time and everything, and, and it doesn't happen. At least it doesn't happen to me. And... It's got to the stage where I'm actually I actually consider myself an insult, and and that's like a, a label that I'm able to give myself because it makes me feel like I'm part of something. How strange is that? That's really strange. Yeah. But but you know, so it's like I'm an insult. I I am an insult, and all right. I, I mean, a lot of it with what I've read, um, they sort of incels can sort of come together in groups or like packs where they actually um, hate women so mm. much that they, they try and um, troll them or whatever because it makes them feel better about themselves because it's like they feel... I don't Th- know, that's I'll, what I was going to say to you, that that label has a connotation now that, that involves yeah. a, a decent amount of misogyny. Yeah, the, yeah, which is, which, is ter- which is totally wrong. And I'm not in that camp. No, um, but um, but but I can but I get it. I, I get why that would happen to someone because, like, for me, the way I feel about myself, for me to feel that there has to have been a cause, and that obviously would be um, a lesser intelligent person maybe would actually jump to that cause, and that would become 
the catalyst of, of the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you're um, looking for a reason or you're looking for yeah. some something that would have triggered well, a situation. And also, I think there, there's the urge to hand it over and say, oh, it's not my fault. It's something that society is sure. pitching against me. There's, there's an unfairness yeah. there that I'm fighting against and I can't win. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not my fault, it's your fault, type thing. You don't sound um, like an incel to me. Uh, the incel thing is a, it's kind of a political movement, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm just looking at it from the point of view of the, of li- the, lit- the literal words. Well, you're yeah. single and you don't like it. I, yeah. I would take the incel yeah. thing out of it because it's, you know... But, yeah, it's yeah, definitely the, a loaded word is, now, yeah. Yeah, but the, the thing, yeah, but the thing is, it's, it's a new word to me. I'd never, up until a couple of weeks ago, I'd never become aware of it. Yes. Um, and, and the only time I've ever, is when I read that article, and mm. it's because I heard Katie say it, and I thought... Mm. But she kind of uses like, it in an archway, though, don't you? Well, Katie? I mean, I was I was sort of playing with it because I was sort of I was referring to the, the literal incels, uh, you know, talking about this quasi, if not literally, misogynist movement. But also, I was referring to myself as involuntary, involuntarily celibate yeah. because I'm single and um, not happy about it, and certainly um, I do um, I do put myself out there in terms of asking guys out and um th- it just seems like there isn't anybody available i don't know if i'm at a certain age where people are already coupled up or married or I think people assume with you that you're sorted out because you're so confident you go places on your own yeah you, know, do, you seem do, to have it all well i do definitely go places on my own and i am confident and i'm happy to be on my own to a certain extent but when i do you know make an approach to people who i this is not like unlike you. I haven't had the nerve to to go online yet because I I feel like that's mm. too scary. But um, it might I might be doing that next. But but I'm sort of um, I mean I haven't reached the point that you're discussing where you you're turning it on yourself, which mm. is a shame because you you know you seem like you know you have a good will and you you know you really want to connect with somebody i mean that's a genuine human need and and, and, but but the thing is as well it's like i can talk the talk um i can talk the talk very very well yeah but it's like i can't walk the walk and and because time now it's been it's been um, eight, nine years since my last relationship, and I, I never really had a lot of luck with the ladies anyway, as it was. But it's got to the stage now where even if somebody was chatting me up, I would automatically, my go-to response inside would be, you're taking the piss uh, out of me. Ah, right. I used to have yeah. a friend yeah. like that. I used to have a friend like that, and she pushed every bloke away who was interested because she said that they can't possibly mean it. You know, she yeah. just assumed it. No. And that's something and you need to work on with yourself. And I know it's easier said than it's done. It's hard to keep your heart open. It yeah. is really hard. Yeah, it's, it's easier to go, do you know what? It's never going to happen. It's yeah. never going to happen and it's not my fault. And, but the thing is as well, though, right, this might sound pretty... Uh, if this sounds horrible, I don't mean it to, mm. but it's like on one of the other stations, which um, I refer to quite often, which is totally inferior to this one, they have a sex and relationship show. Yeah. And before I found talk radio, I must admit I'm not really a fan of the women's hour either, but um, they're on at the same time. So I do tend to sort of listen very briefly occasionally to that relationship show. And when I hear people on there going on about their sexual problems, but those people sound anything less than, um, you know, um, 
a model or, or whatever, if they just, if if they sound sort of like what am I trying to say here? If they sound like they're a little bit, um, oh, for example, not the best looking person in the world, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, you just you can pick up things from their voice. And, and you sort of, you know, you, you get an image building up in your head of, of what that must look like. And I found myself getting really offended by that. Yeah. It's like, this is not something that is on offer to me, and so therefore it shouldn't be on offer to you. I don't want to hear about it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I get really indignant and yeah. offended by Res- that. Resentful, and that's natural that you'd feel like that. Yeah, I suppose. It's totally natural. The thing is, when you think about, like, adult pastimes, you automatically think of porno models mm. you know you don't think of the ordinary looking person on the street having a having a sex life mm. um and and it's sort of i don't know it's weird it's weird it really does um it really does bug me and it really does get me down but right this is not going to help you at all. I mean, we, we need to wind this up because we, we're fast approaching the end. And I, w- I, w- I would love to speak to you about this again if you can bring yourself to talk about it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. from what I know about you, you are a charming, pleasant, completely approachable sort of person. And I understand that it's become difficult for you. But please keep the faith and please don't think of yourself as being hideous because I'm pretty sure you're far from that. Well, you know, maybe. But... but, you, but, you, but but, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot more than a, a quick call, a phone call on the radio is going to do. But, I know. but the thing is, but I, you know, at the end of the day, my side in our relationship is that I love listening to you guys, and um, and I respect you and 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 all the other listeners that have got their little problems. We're all, like I said before, I think we're all part of a huge dysfunctional family. In yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, and, and and thanks for being there. Okay. And, and like I said the other day, you're doing a brilliant job. Katie, you're wonderful. Thank Uh, you. A bit of follow-up since the word and everything else and blah, blah, blah. Thank you, ladies. Oh, thank you. Thanks for trusting (laughs) us. We really appreciate it. Let's talk again. Yes, please do. Cheers Cheers. then, Simon. Wow. Yeah, that was great. That was really brave. So brave, yeah, to make himself vulnerable. That's the thing like about that. this time of night, isn't yeah. it? That mm. people do confide in you, and that's someone we've spoken to so many times. I had no idea he had that lingering, you know. Mm. There. I'm so glad he could say it out loud. Hopefully, in a way that helps a, a, a small part. Martin Kellner, yes, flipping Kath. Uh, what a great show! Uh, you and Casey are doing fantastic. Have you enjoyed yeah. your week? Yeah, I've loved it. I've got one more on Monday, and then um, back to the old status quo. Good. I love back, it. Back in your place. Yeah, God, yeah. No, it's been brilliant. Um, yes, on the show, we've won the World Cup. Fantastic. We have won the what? World Cup. Well, we've won the World Cup of lawnmowers. Uh, basically, okay. yeah, basically, it's a British lawnmower firm that's uh, cut the grass on all the pitches pretty well. Um, the pitch that uh, we'll be, we played on against Tunisia, we won 2-1. That's down to uh, these lawnmowers, British lawnmowers. Uh, and 13 of the training grounds in Russia have all been cut with British lawnmowers. That'll teach so, them. That'll teach them indeed. Uh, and they've got a strong stripe. So we're talking about the stripes on the pitch. Enviable. We love the World Cup that much that we'll even talk about the stripes on the pitch. <laughs> so, uh, and it's British lawnmowers that did it. Thank oh. God for Britain. I love this country so much. And we're also talking about House of Fraser. They're closing down all the stores and people have been, yeah. And we're talking about Brexit. We're cooking now. Uh, 
Loads of I'll be listening on my way mm. home. It always and Carol King is our um, <gasps> yeah, Carol King what? on Not Dead Yet. Oh, we do a little sick. spot called Not Dead Yet, Katie, in which instead of waiting for someone to die to pay tribute to them, we pay tribute to them while they're still alive. So wonderful. we pay our tribute to Carol King, the wonderful Carol King. I saw Beautiful, the uh, oh, musical, I've seen it? that too. Isn't yeah. it amazing? Yeah, it's great, fantastic, fantastic. Highly recommended. Wonderful. It sounds great. That's all mm. coming up after the news in Martin Kilner. We're done for the evening. Yes, we and are for the week. So we shall see you Monday. See you then. Have a great weekend. Ta ta. Ah. Toodaloo.